Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Amid the increased awareness of racial justice issues across the country, displaying a Black Lives Matter flag has sometimes generated arguments over free speech. In Jacksonville, Florida, a white high school teacher was disciplined after she put one up outside her classroom and refused administrators' orders to take it down. Now the case is in court. From member station WJCT News in Jacksonville, Sydney Bowles reports. In her nine years teaching at Jacksonville's Robert E. Lee High School, Amy Donofrio has built up a reputation. In 2016, her life skills class met with then-President Barack Obama and presented at Harvard University. Students at the predominantly black, low-income school counted on her for everything from packets of ramen noodles to career counseling. And when one of her students, Reginald Boston, was killed by the local police last year, the Black Lives Matter flag outside Donofrio's classroom marked it as a safe space for students to process his death. Here's Donofrio. His life mattered, period. And I think walking beside his family and his mom and seeing what it looks like in real life, there is no possible way you can't stand by the belief that Black Lives Matter. Then, this March, the Duval County School District told Donofrio to take the flag down, saying it violated district policy on political speech by employees. Donofrio said no, so she was taken out of the classroom and reassigned to non-teaching duties. The school district says it won't comment because of ongoing litigation. A lawsuit filed in federal court by the Southern Poverty Law Center alleges the flag's removal was a violation of Donofrio's First Amendment rights. Civil rights attorney Kathleen Scott is representing Donofrio alongside the SPLC. It's a question of whether or not there's a matter of great public significance as to whether or not this speech is protected. Ms. Donofrio was speaking out against racism. That's a very important value. But that argument might face an uphill battle in court, says Rachel Arno Richman, a professor of labor and employment law at the University of Florida. We think of the First Amendment as a foundational principle of our democracy. And it is, but it's subject to many limitations. Arno Richman says public employers like school districts have a lot of leeway to regulate their employees' speech. But, she argues, the law may not have fully wrestled with society's conflicting goals. And that's to say this sort of general rule that public employees do not speak for themselves, but speak for the government and lack First Amendment protection is at odds, I would say, with our societal interest in wanting teachers to have leeway to communicate and teach students about current issues, bringing to bear their expertise as educators. Back at Robert E. Lee High, Donna Frio says it's stressful to sue her employer, but it also feels like a relief. There are educators all over this country that want to stand with our children, that are advocating for our children and are being retaliated and pushed back upon as a result. And so my goal, my hope, is that by doing this, we can empower more educators to stand beside our kids. Meanwhile, Donofrio students are leading their own campaign. An online petition to bring her back to the classroom has garnered more than 16,000 signatures. For NPR News, I'm Sydney Bowles in Jacksonville, Florida. 
Illinois is now one of 18 states that caps payday loan interest rates and fees. This means these types of high interest lenders will not be making as much profit and it might lead them to leave the state of Illinois. It also means limitations for neighborhoods that do not have access to typical banks and credit unions. WBEZ's Araceli Gomez-Aldana took a look at the issue and spoke with somebody who regrets getting wrapped up in payday loan debt. About five years ago, Kobe was 23 years old and still living with his mom on Chicago's west side. He was ready to move out, and he had a plan. He was going to buy a laptop and a camera to supplement a side job, but he was short on cash. Then he remembered. His mom would sometimes take out a payday loan. She didn't do them frequently, but I remember several times where she did. You know, so I said, okay, if she's doing them, why not? We're only using Kobe's first name because he doesn't want his current employer to know about his financial situation. Looking back, he says it wasn't difficult for him to find a payday lender because there are a lot in his neighborhood. And the worker that helped him didn't even ask him a lot of questions. The process was really quick. I remember she just called my job to verify my employment and, you know, gave me an approval amount, which was higher than what I expected. That's because Kobe was requesting $200. Instead, they offered him 450 With interest, his total came out to more than $600. He couldn't pay it back, and his bank charged him overdraft fees. That's when things snowballed. He lost his bank account, and his credit score took a big hit. Payday loans are supposed to be small, short-term loans. They're available for people who need fast cash and don't have other options. But these loans are also known to come with high interest rates, up to 400% in some cases. And research conducted by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau shows people who take out a payday loan end up reborrowing on that loan. Illinois State Senator Jacqueline Collins has heard stories like Kobe's over and over again. She represents parts of Chicago's South Side and the South Suburbs. Collins calls these types of loans predatory. So she co-sponsored the Illinois Predatory Lending Prevention Act to limit their interest rates. The legislation goes to cap payday loans at 36 percent installment payday loans at 36%, as well as auto title loans at 36%. Even that, I feel, is predatory, but that's the best we can do at this point. Collins says it's not an accident. These types of businesses set up shop in communities of color. It's really a result of uh, redlining and segregation, because what happened was that segregation really created the opportunities for economic exploitation because we know that these communities of color, they were targeted because they didn't have access to a traditional bank loan. But not everyone agrees that capping lenders is the right move. Ricky Keys is with Renewal Financial, and he lobbied against the measure. He agrees that payday loans are predatory, but says the fallout of the new law could unintentionally hurt communities of color because there's nothing to take their place. Banks are not going to step in to offer these services. Credit unions will not step in to offer these services. I believe that the installment lenders will try to make a go of it, but eventually I believe they will go away. So the only options that will be available to consumers who are the constituents of my friends uh, will be bad options. Keyes is worried the demand for these types of loans will remain, 
but the supply will dry up on the city's south and west sides. Andy Posner is the founder and CEO of the nonprofit lender Capital Good Fund. He says lenders like his and others actually do want to provide service, but they haven't been able to compete. So if you see the worst actors pull out of the space, it makes it a lot easier for the good players to acquire customers cost-effectively. Posner says the new law levels the playing field and gives people alternatives. Kobe, well, he wishes he would have had more options. He's still rebuilding his finances five years after taking out that $450 payday loan. Araceli Gomez-Saldana, WBEZ News. You keep it going, man. You keep those books rolling. You, you pick up all those books that you're going to read and not remember, and you roll, man. You get that associate's degree, okay? Then you get your bachelor's. Then you get your master's. Then you get your master's master's. Then you get your doctrine. You go, man. And then when everybody says quit, you show them those degrees, man. When everyone says, hey, you're not working, you're not making any money, you say, you look at my degrees and you look at my life. Yeah, I'm 52. So what? Hate all you want, but I'm smart. I'm so smart. And, and I'm in school. These guys are out here um, making money all these ways. and I'm spending mine to be smart. You know why? Because when I die, buddy, you know what's going to keep me warm? That's right. Those degrees. A college degree. It's a must-have for a lot of jobs in America. Now, though, some employers say they are dropping degree requirements for certain jobs, this to diversify their staffs and to gain a market advantage. From member station GBH in Boston, Kirk Carapeza reports. Inside her apartment in Watertown, Massachusetts, Emily Knowles meets with her software development team. The config flows, those are all super easy. Knowles is a quality assurance analyst, and via Zoom, she's testing apps to make sure they work the way they're supposed to. She uses a lot of jargon. We're going over in Bug Bash today, the EXO player for video playback. Knowles is biracial, the daughter of black and white immigrants. Her parents never went to college, and she's working in tech, a field dominated by highly educated white and Asian men. This is something that I never thought would be possible. The 23-year-old has some college credits, but not a degree. Before she landed this job with Ovia Health, a Boston-based family planning company, Knowles was working as an aide at an elementary school. But after attending a software boot camp, she says her dream was to work in tech. I was always just like, I would never be able to do that. I do not have the mental capacity to think in that way. But as I kept being offered opportunities to advance in a tech world without a degree, I just kind of kept taking them. To diversify their staffs, Ovia Health and other companies outside of the field are identifying entry-level jobs like the one Knowles got and dropping the degree requirement. We were missing out on a lot of talent by having what we saw was an arbitrary requirement for many positions. That's Paris Wallace, CEO and co-founder of Ovia Health. Wallace is black and a graduate of Amherst and Harvard Business School. Two years ago, he says his leadership team decided to remove the degree requirements for all jobs. It's a huge competitive advantage versus those companies that only are hiring those Ivy League folks that have no idea the experience of the people that they serve every day. Other companies like the financial firm State Street, the hotel chain Hilton, and the publisher Penguin Random House are doing the same for some jobs. Tracy Burns is CEO of the Northeast Human Resources Association. She says as the cost of college has spiked, it's increasingly hard for companies to justify requiring a four-year degree. 
We just throw it on there as a way to say we're hiring the best and the brightest, but it's not really much of an indication of that. Some economists agree, and they say employers requiring a four-year degree just increases social and racial inequality. They've turned college from a bridge to opportunity to a drawbridge that gets pulled up if someone hasn't gotten through. Economist Byron Ogeest served as deputy director of the National Economic Council in the Obama administration. Ogeest says in 2021, college degrees have become a proxy for race and class in America. You are screening out over 70 percent of African-Americans. You're screening out about 80 percent of Latino, Latino workers. And you're screening out over 80 percent of rural Americans of all races. And you're doing that before any skills are assessed. It's not fair. So employers like Ovia Health in Boston are asking candidates to prove their skills through what they call competency-based hiring. It definitely creates a little bit more work. Lexi Cantor is head of human resources at Ovia. She tells her hiring managers not to ask about college and to put more value on life experience. Rather than a piece of paper that someone paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for. That helps job candidates like Emily Knowles, who says she's grown more confident in her new job. At the beginning, I was like afraid to say things because it's like I'm just this kid like who hasn't been to college. But they really do care and they really want to hear and they take those to heart. Despite getting ahead without a degree, Knowles is enrolling in a computer science program, but she doesn't plan to leave the workforce. She'll take courses online and at night. For NPR News, I'm Kirk Carapesa in Boston. It's COVID, COVID, COVID. Health workers east of the Cascades are trying to avoid last summer's COVID-19 outbreaks again. But as Anna King reports, they're running up against vaccine hesitancy in the Latinx community. Victor Delgado didn't want to take a whole unpaid day off work to get a vaccine appointment in Benton County. So it's been complicated, right, to have to navigate all that stuff, their schedules, when it works for them, on the phone. That's Victor's daughter, Vanessa, who's in Irvine, California. She helped her father get an appointment at a Safeway in the Yakima Valley. Many Northwest Latinx families face similar barriers. And public health officials are scrambling to vaccinate migrant farm workers who follow the crops into different communities throughout the growing season. Heather Hill is with Washington's Benton Franklin Health District. And if your clinic that you usually go to is only available, you know, eight to four or eight to five, you may live in this community, but you still cannot access vaccine at that clinic. Some fixes? Extended clinic hours, weekend appointments, and taking the vaccines to the fields and workplaces like vegetable processing centers or beef packing plants. But still, many people are skeptical about taking it. The Latinx community is coming off Trump administration policies and rhetoric that actively targeted farm workers, migrants, and even those with DACA status. Vaccination clinics run by uniformed military can be frightening to families with a mix of legal status. Delgado says she's had to convince family members and friends they won't get in trouble for getting the shot. So we had seen rhetoric of like public charge, for instance, right, that, you know, if you access social services, if you ever try to get legal status, it will come back against you. Many Latinx people are reluctant because they feel it violates their Catholic faith and pro-life beliefs. Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson all use decades-old stem cell lines from aborted fetal material in vaccine testing. But none of the vaccines contain fetal material. I respect the right of 
anyone to refuse a medical procedure. Nancy Jecker is a professor of bioethics at the University of Washington School of Medicine in Seattle. And I think we need to have exceptions for those who on religious grounds are not wanting to go forward with any of the vaccines that are currently available. To show it's not a sin, the Pope and Bishop Joseph Tyson of the Yakima Diocese both got the shot. Well, you know, the connection between abortion and the stem cells used to test and develop vaccines and medications is fairly remote. And what we're saying as a church is that there's a kind of a greater danger on the horizon if uh, if the COVID-19 spreads and increases the number of dead. Beyond the religious debate, wild rumors, memes, and misinformation are also circulating. Bishop Tyson says many in the Northwest Latinx community hail from rural Mexico, and some can't read. Father Jesus Mariscal is the parochial vicar of the St. Paul Cathedral. They are afraid that um, the young uh, people will be infertile, and so they won't be able to have children anymore, or that uh, DNA will be changed. Maybe they won't see the effects, but uh, their children will. I mean, there's all kinds of uh, crazy ideas that you will grow donkey ears. That was, I thought that was a funny one. Combating misinformation may require one-on-one conversations. Physician Angeles Ize is an epidemiologist at the Benton Franklin Health District. It's just the, the younger population that feel that they don't, you know, they, they might not need to get the vaccine because they're young and they're healthy. These days, Vanessa Delgado often finds herself on the phone talking to her extended family. You know, my dad was able to get his vaccine and then his brothers were like, oh, OK, well, he got it. Then, you know, we'll get it, too. You know, she says just as misinformation spreads, so does truth. I'm Anna King. At the best of times, looking for a job can be daunting, right? Polishing that resume, wording that cover letter just so. But add a global pandemic to the mix, and that task may seem unbearable. So we asked some of you looking for work what it was like. I guess I'm just nervous about how do I make sure that I'm continuing to learn and grow? Claire Morville, a senior at the University of Maryland at College Park. She's 22. Claire said that because of the pandemic and the racial reckoning gripping the country, she wanted to be part of finding solutions. As a result, she's pivoted her career from information science to crisis management, but she wanted to know how to do more. I know a lot of people talk about having secure and stable jobs, but I don't want to relax and possibly get complacent. How do I avoid that and keep advancing in any given role? We put Morville's question and some others you sent us to career coach Akila Satish. Hi, Claire. You sound like a highly proactive individual who sees something wrong in the world and wants to take a step forward to change it. But to keep advancing and growing in your career, I would recommend two things. First, maintain a high level of productivity to accompany that proactivity. It's easier to seek out new opportunities for growth, whether that's leading a new project or taking an online course, if you can stay on top of your existing work. And second, cultivate your personal resilience. Really focus on how you can be the calm in a very chaotic environment. 
Six-year-old Laura Hazen was in the middle of a community health care certification when the pandemic kept her from doing the mandatory field community service. And now Laura's worried that her age and lack of practical volunteer experience will hold her back when applying for work. I'd like to know if there's a good way or a better way to show my work history without making it look like I'm too old. (laughs) I guess I would like advice on what's the best way to present my uh, work experience to show that I am still vital and can can contribute and not just an old person. (laughs) Hi, Laura. I can hear a lot of pain and frustration there. Um, You've worked hard all your life. You've learned these new skills and it feels like you're hitting this invisible wall when you want to share those skills in a new role and, and be vital, as you said. I would start with identifying your hidden talents. If I had to guess based on your background and question, you're deeply people-centric and you have a strong ability to connect to others, build and maintain relationships and view interpersonal interactions from different perspectives. 41-year-old school counselor Julie Montgomery also got in touch. She wanted advice on the logistics of landing that job. What would you recommend to kind of calm those nerves, right, before the interview? And then my other question would be the follow-up on your interview. So once you've had the interview or even after you've applied, how do you show interest in the position but not come across as being desperate? Hi, Julie. I think interviewing virtually during the pandemic is such a challenge. Uh, It is so nerve-wracking, especially when, as you mentioned, you have all that pressure that you feel. I think one of the best ways you can set yourself up for success is actually by broadening what you bring to the interview before the interview. So one of the great things I've seen people do for that is to supplement their resume with a personal website that allows you to dive deeper into specific areas of interest, strengths, and more. With regards to follow-up timing, I don't think they're hard and fast rules. To show interest in the job without seeming, like you said, desperate, Choose aspects of the job that stand out to you specifically and have compelling reasons for why. Because it's targeted to that job, you'll be able to make that desperation feel more like specific enthusiasm for that job and for that role, which will help you stand out again. Last is 28-year-old Arub Abdelhamid, who has a PhD in chemistry. She's unemployed right now, looking for work as a data scientist, and she's finding it hard to make connections. She asked Akila Satish how she can hone some important job skills to help her move forward. How do you build a network in remote settings, such as Zoom conferences, when you have a group of many people and you would like to connect with one of them? Hi, Arub. It can be really daunting to network in the middle of a pandemic. This pandemic has really helped us find room for reflection on what matters to us most. And I believe that kind of clarity can really help you determine what your next path is. That might be a potential starting stone for the narrative of why you chose to move from chemistry over to data science. I think there is a story there. It's an interesting story. And sharing that story in a compelling manner will help you build rapport with individuals who may have been on a similar journey to you. That was Akila Satish giving advice to Arub Abdelhamid, Julie Montgomery, Laura Hazen, and Claire Morville. Black. 
The man seen and heard in this video using an F-bomb, the N-word, and the B-word all in the same sentence is identified as 53-year-old James Thomas Rhodes of Stowe. He is charged with misdemeanor aggravated menacing and a felony of ethnic intimidation. I got an AK-47 right now in my car. I'll blow your head off. I've never had somebody call me any type of names regarding to my skin color or anything like that. So I was just speechless. Kiana Larkins says just after 7 p.m. on April 17th, she was driving for DoorDash, delivering food to the Wyndham Ridge Apartments in Stowe. That's when she encountered Rose, who claimed she was driving erratically. Kiana says she brushed it off, made her delivery, and returned to her vehicle. When I realized he was following me, I started record I stopped my car and started recording the man. And that's when he kind of started saying all those vulgar and harsh things. Get the f out of here. I pay a thousand dollars a month here. You can't you you, you make a thousand dollars a two months. F you. How do you know that? In some parts of the video, you can hear Kiana's two-year-old son in the background. Hi. At one point, a woman who lives in the complex comes to Kiana's defense. You are racist. Yes, I am. You should be ashamed of yourself. I didn't know what to say, and I really didn't want to say anything back to the man, but she came to my defense, and she... She said basically everything I wanted to say. The mayor of Stowe released a statement reading in part, the community that I know and love absolutely condemns the behavior displayed on the video and instead chooses the principles of kindness, tolerance, and inclusivity to guide our daily actions and beliefs. Let me be clear, there is no place for violence, racism, or intolerance in the city of Stowe. We take great pride in creating a welcoming atmosphere for all people and actively celebrate our diversity. Kiana says the video has gone viral on social media. The police department did tell me that they were getting calls from people all over the country, from different states that have seen the video. You and everybody that looks like you. Okay. What do they got to come arrest me? Yeah, I, I thought for a second there I was uh, back at a fire station <laughs> on what happened to Mr. Cochran's uh, eel. I didn't know people kept pets such as that. Uh, it reminded me of a, uh, a, uh, 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 I can't remember the type of dog that's, that's synonymous with, uh, fire stations, but, uh, they, uh, uh, this one particular fire station had one of them, uh, uh up until he snapped at a chief <laughs> and, and they got rid of him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, do not uh, carry any home-like uh, or any uh, self-description type of items uh, to your workplace. Uh, you want to keep a level of blandness about your about yourself, uh, and uh, so you can get through the day and be uh, the most efficient worker that you possibly can be. I, I learned that early uh, myself uh, with the fire department.
A story you will see first here on WBZ. Relief for a veteran Brookline firefighter who has been fighting his town for 11 years. Just yesterday, the state's highest court unanimously decided that Gerald Alston was wrongfully fired for complaining about racism. And this afternoon, he spoke to WBZ's Anaritas Rodriguez. The truth is the truth. And I knew it was going to come to the surface. And right now, it vindicates me. It makes me feel, it, it fills me with joy. Vindication, but not justice. This former Brookline firefighter says he's relieved his truth has been validated by the state's highest court. I was relying on my union to step up and help, and they didn't do so either. I feel as though there has to be something in place for the little people. This week, the Supreme Judicial Court said Gerald Alston was wrongfully fired after complaining of a racist work environment. The decision upholds a civil service ruling that details how Brookline officials failed to protect Alston from retaliation. And now becomes a seminal moment in a painful and public legal battle that's been ongoing since 2010 when Alston says his supervising Lieutenant Paul Pender inadvertently left a voicemail on his phone using the N-word. Even though certain members of the board admitted that they knew that this particular uh, uh, superior officer said these things and was, did this in a racist manner, they still didn't want to support me or be on my side. They felt like brushing it under the rug. Alston says that he is eternally grateful to the Brookline Justice League who took his case pro bono. Bernard Green, the chair of Brookline Select Board, who voted to fire Alston, has not returned our request for comment. And the only board member who voted against the town's appeal, Raul Fernandez, tells us that Brookline should use this moment to recenter racial and economic justice in the community. David and Lisa? A victory a long time coming. Yeah. Anna Ritis, thank you so much context of white supremacy we don't brush things under the rug here gusty renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date friday april 30 2021 so i have been told this is our weekly broadcast neutralizing workplace racism uh, this is always a broadcast for individuals first and foremost if we have any non-white people in the known universe who have figured out some strategies that work well you don't have to be like Mr. Atkinson hoping that you don't get swept under the rug no way you don't have any issues to sweep you have a nice cushy office not your office but a nice nice cushy office you're allowed to use if you need time off summertime is coming up you're vaccinated or you don't believe in all that you are planning you know first vacation in two years you already got your time off request honored no problem they don't try and pull the rug out from under you at the last minute and say oh whoa, 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 whoa. I know you put in your vacation request five months ago but we had something come up. We're going to have to cancel it. I know it's the day before and you had your back, but you don't, uh, 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 never happens. They don't call and harass you while you're on vacation either. Text you every five minutes and ask you where the paper clips are or can you cut your vacation five days short and come in. None of that nonsense either. If you figured out some things that work to help you solve problems without creating new problems, number to dial 720. 716 7300 the code 564 
9-4-3-POUND. Press star 6-1 if you would like to participate. As always, uh, if we have any non-white people, victims of racism, you're having any difficulties on the job, any sort of problems, and you'd appreciate some counter-racist logic uh, as we try to help maybe process what's happening and offer some logic-based suggestions on how you can try to remedy your situation, feel free. 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, you can also drop an email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com we can read your commentary you can keep it anonymous uh, and if you either if you have submissions right if you have some strategies that will work for other victims we can share that and then if you have a problem of some sort and would like uh, feedback we can read it and get folks opinion uh, before we get to the emails and folks who dialed in wow the birds are rowdy this spring right on um, the final report that we heard, Mr. Atkinson with the fire department, Brookhaven Fire Department. One, I was confused because there are bunches of reports at various fire departments, white supremacy being practiced in a variety of ways, including urinating in uniforms and beverages. But they played that report and I mean, it was so many things that were that that segment was only about two minutes where Mr. Atkinson, I guess he got a judgment in his favor right on for him. Uh, but even the way they started out, they said, Mr. Atkin, Mr. Atkinson's been at war or been battling the city for years. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> he is not battling the city. He's not at war with the city racist man, racist woman, racist child are at war, waging war against non-white people. Mr. Atkinson is a victim of that war. Him reporting, and they said that too, he's been ripe, he's been complaining. Been complaining for years. And see, this is somebody who was working, this is a public servant, I thought. These are the same folks that they run around after 9-11 and everybody had their uh, NYPD and NY fire department shirts right remember all that propaganda and and foolishness and oh we love the firemen they didn't love the opalaka three did they uh, retired firefighter but yeah we love you know the firefighters yes salt of the earth we love them well that's you know mr atkinson ah, he's you know just griping and whining complaining that's all he is little complainer that's the way that they'll consist that's why mr fuller for year for decades really codification you're not making a complaint. You're not making a gripe. I don't have a grievance. I'm making a report because this may be a report of criminal activity. Take it serious. Not just <laughs> I'm going to whine. My feelings are hurt. Can I have five minutes to complain about some things that I don't, you know, like we're just little children. Then they just sweep it under the rug uh, with the whole report uh, after all of this like nonsense through and through as opposed to wow they were practicing racism white supremacy against Mr. Atkinson 
and he got you know this judgment in his favor which they'll probably appeal or you know whatever uh, but just language words are so critically uh, important when talking about racism white supremacy in general and in particular when discussing matters related to the job that'll come up repeatedly even with the clips alone uh, so that was the last clip that we heard uh, going back to the first clip Donna Frio she teaches at Robert E. Lee High School, which I thought, you know, the irony of all of this Black Lives Matter controversy at Robert E. Lee High. Anywho, uh, I think she's going to lose. Uh, this is someone who's classified as white, I think. I could be in error about that. Uh, but, I mean, we, I've said that no politics. This is not the time for you to put up all of your Marcus Garvey paraphernalia you know, all of your Shirley Chisholm paraphernalia. This is not the time or the place for any of that. Do that on your own time in your residence. All of that is just going to lead to you being targeted and mistreated uh, by other white people and sometimes other non-white people. I've said consistently, you don't need anything at your workplace except things you need to do your job. And it's certainly about fashion. I've said you should have almost a uniform. You want clothing that does not draw attention to you. Certainly nothing that's making grand political statements and Black Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter or anything. Regular shirt, no writing. Um, but I think she's going to lose, Ms. Frio, about Black Lives Matter uh, slogans and such, in uh, particularly in a school environment. Oh, my goodness. All they have to do is roll out one white child. I felt intimidated, you know, didn't know if she was going to have Black Panther members, you know, come in here and slit our throats or anything, you know, it's so harsh. I, I was traumatized for years, you know. End of that case. Next. Man, everything rankled me in the report. So the next report, they were talking about the the, the idea of we'll combat racism by removing college degree requirements. I was disgusted even before I heard the report because they had a picture of the young lady, uh, Miss Knowles, uh, who they talked about in this report, who she's a victim of racism. I don't have a problem uh, with her at all. But what I am saying is that they have, and they said she had a white parent and a non-white parent. They even made that specific. A lot of times they don't do all that. But they had her photograph at the front. And I said, why, why is this non-white person, why is she literally the poster person? Why is this the so-called poster child for we're going to remove degree requirements? And I said, even, even that, it, to me, it suggests we're going to remove degree requirements and do competency-based hiring or whatever other jargon that they want to put around it uh, in order to add non-white people to the work environment. It's, oh yeah, we have to, what do they call Lowering the bar. We have to reduce the standards and bring in some incompetent, unqualified, non-white people. This is another form of affirmative action and quotas and all that other uh, goofiness in my view, I mean, all of that is nonsense from the beginning. Didn't we, I mean, this is not ancient history. We don't have to go through the catacombs and read hieroglyphics. Didn't it just happen not that long ago, the big scandal, all of these white people, because I didn't see people that look like uh, Tyler Perry, 
Lupita Nyong'o. I didn't see people look like that. The diploma mill scandal. I saw a lot of individuals who would be classified as white where they have falsified all these records and GPA, uh, G- yeah, GPAs and SAT scores and academic accomplishments, falsified all of this nonsense, didn't do any of it. And then you're going to come around and tell me that this degree is worth so much and all that. How about just make it plain? White people practice racism, white supremacy. In fact, I could even pause right there. Pipe Dream Blues, Clarence Lusane, he has the quote in that text Black people with college degrees are less likely to be hired than white people with no high school diploma and a criminal background. I pause, I can add, we read O.J. Simpson this year for a reason. Mark Flippin Furman, remember Mark Furman who got on the witness stand and testified, Detective Mark Furman got on the witness stand and testified that he is a high school dropout from my beloved Evergreen Washington State and a three-time community college dropout. He said on the witness stand he didn't even accumulate two full years of community college combined in the three community colleges he attended and he still detective at the LAPD. They didn't have a problem with standards to get Mark Furman on the force. That's not the issue that you, man, we got all these black people who just don't have the credit. That's not the problem. The problem is white supremacy, racism. But that's everything about that segment from beginning to end. Like even that, why do you have to go get some so-called biracial person? And yes, this will be, you can't, lots I could say about that. All of that white people with degrees, like that is worth about a bowl of jelly beans. Next, even in in the languaging in that segment, talk about words. They said the college degree has effectively been a drawbridge that we can pull up whenever we want to. And then they said, uh, pretending as though getting the college graduates, it's our effort to get the best and brightest think that's in the word guide about not using bright to refer to intelligence right up there with the word fair continuing they had the segment about the uh, payday loans uh, and we've had segments before where black people have difficulty uh, even cashing their legitimate checks much less being compensated to where they do not need uh, being correctly compensated to where we don't need the services of a payday loan for any sort of uh, temporary or emergency loan I, I contrasted that segment with where I live in Seattle I don't know where the closest payday loan center is it would take me a while to find it I know there are an abundance of banks in the area grocery stores free libraries uh, coffee shops of course yoga facilities payday loans I don't know beaches plural yep 
payday loans uh, they do have those in Seattle and the thing is the area where I thought immediately do they have payday oh they do they have the payday loan facilities downtown Seattle I've said consistently that is the one location that I tell people e run not safe like you might get stabbed robbed any moment people got that 8,000% uh, loan uh, interest rate to pay back so they're out shanking people uh, right literally blocks from where Pike Place Market and all the rest uh, of the stuff downtown is but that's uh, they do have payday loan facilities uh, in downtown uh, Seattle but not around these parts um, that whole segment though just terroristic and ridiculous they shouldn't have those I mean 400% interest rate they, ha- they always have these creative ways they call it slavery by another way debt peonage and all the rest of this to take advantage and swindle negras like long history of that even in Chicago we talked about that in packing them in uh, about this time last year Dr. Sylvia Hood Washington uh, she was on the book club we read her book and then she was on the cows in April of 2020 uh, let's see I have no idea what racial reckoning is. They use that term, that phrasing, uh, when they talked about the uh, college degrees, getting rid of them, that that was a part of the racial reckoning in America. I have no idea what that is at all. I use the word reckon all the time. Racial reckoning racial understanding I have no idea what that means (laughs) I do not reckon put it that way I do not reckon at all racial reckoning I need to lead someone to break it down for me a little bit Uh, and the last one we'll get to geez James Thomas Rowe race soldier now we have talked for a good year more than that now because I remember uh, when the whole COVID-19 situation began uh, in 2020 there were a number of incidents of black delivery drivers for Amazon and other companies they were going on their job dropping off packages essential workers right that's what all these fools were on their roof banging frying pans and skillets and, oh we love you essential worker and all that remember all that nonsense right so at the about 12 13 months ago black workers coming out being accosted remember they blocked one black worker in threatening black nigger what are you doing in this neighborhood get the hell out of my driveway nigger they had the incident down in florida they had the white woman she had a proud florida gators paraphernalia on nigger get out of here i can say nigger if i want to get out of here nigger 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 all and they weren't even delivering to her they were dropping off packages to somebody you know down the road whatever legally and i said like man if you are a delivery driver like you need to have a code like you need to have a conversation with your employer what are we supposed to do if we are accosted threatened followed any sort of hostility anything that we deem as a safety hazard what do you suggest we do like get that unambiguous ask questions present different uh, scenarios because I said man this is happening all the time that incident with James Thomas Rowe I saw that I was going to play that 
for the compensatory call-in because I just thought, oh, okay, Ray Soldier is terrorizing this black mother. Got her daughter in the car. I didn't catch that till the end. Uh, he's terrorizing this black mom, and I was going to play that for the compensatory call. And I said, wait a minute, did they say she was at DoorDash? I had to go back say she was at DoorDash. Like this is workplace racism. Like, man. <laughs> Aside to even having have your child in the car with you, like that's, you know, our child care and all the rest of it you have to juggle so much. And that's why I say all the time, like being a parent is super hard. Uh, but I mean, you are going out to make a delivery to someone else and end up having some race soldier following you with your child in the car. And then he hops out. You dirty black bitch and run around kill you and run around. I got my AK-7 in the car and kill. I mean, what? With your child in the car? Gotta have a protocol. Like, no ifs, no ands, no buts. If you do delivery driver, because in my view, it's been so much of this. Not that this has never happened before, but it's been tons of these incidents. Like, racists disgruntled upset about the rona got their new guns whatever the reason uh it's been lots of episodes of white people feeling justified and going following black people remember they had the episode uh right here in washington state i think it was in tacoma uh black male was out delivering newspapers white off-duty enforcement officer same thing followed him and then lied on him said that oh my gosh the nigga threatened to kill me and so they called like 50 officers out armed ready to you know pounce on and shoot him 180 times so they realized like oh wait a minute did you lie this nigga is just delivering papers and you said he was going to shoot you with the day's paper like come on they're still investigating all that but I mean it is and he was delivering I think it was like 2am something where he easily could have been killed you gotta have a coat like a serious coat and I said I would talk I would talk to your employer write down make sure it's all clear if it's in the manual go over everything ask questions get all the details you need and then I would still do what you think is going to ensure your safety the only thing I would add this is uh, VGQ this is not nitpicking or anything like that it's just in terms of safety in my view if you ascertain that you're being followed I would not stop. I would get to number one. If you talk to your employer, what do they say? They might want you to return to the facility or whatever. They might have a whole different protocol at minimum. Get to someplace safe. If that means I'm going to go to the closest grocery store, I get on my phone, drive, go to the grocery store. You can call your employer. You can call the police. You know, if you have someone like a family, a family member, partner, whatever it is, you can call them too, uh, just to let them know that there's a safety concern. Right. But I would go to lots of light, lots of people uh, as as public as possible and go there and immediately sprint inside and see if you can you know, get assistance to ascertain what's happening. And then then you can do all that recording and everything. Just in my view, I would not stop if you're being followed, if you're in a strange environment. Uh, we've seen this before. It's it, and I mean, within the last 13, 14 months, I've seen this where if you stop in some of these cases the white person blocked the victim in so that they couldn't leave now they're stuck now you really are in a bond if he if he does like Mr. O have an AK-47 now what I wouldn't stop I wouldn't engage I think they played some of the recording and he came up after you know be this nigga that and all the rest of it uh, and he says you know I pay a thousand dollars to live here and you know she says you know how do you know that do not 
utter one syllable there is not like this person is threatening to kill you there is nothing to say yeah I wouldn't even roll the window down. like I, I wouldn't have stopped there is nothing to say at all same thing I've been saying for the uh, ending of the programs this is no time for verbal confrontations with strangers same thing I you should assume this person is armed this person may have a whole group and this person this is probably his neighborhood he might be close enough to his residence you don't know how many weapons he could have access to who he lives with he might have buddies in the neighborhood I mean it's just it's a really unsafe situation in my view you're in your vehicle do not roll down your windows do not stop if you need to call the police do so call your employer do so but I would look to exit like if you can get out get out because they could start shooting just yeah and they could try to block you in which has happened as well try to exit and get someplace very public even like I said if you have uh, family members people that you trust hey we're gonna go to you know the Piggly Wiggly you know or the Publix or whatever the grocery store is Safeway Harris Teeter wherever you shop at so we're gonna go to the closest Piggly Wiggly we'll meet right there Bammo, now you got some help. You all can decide there what you want to do. Do you want to call other people or, blah, 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 or is this guy still following you? All that. You're in a super public place. Easy to get more assistance if need be. That's what I would do. But the stop, no stopping, no confronting, no rolling the window down. There's absolutely nothing to say at all. Nothing. Get in your vehicle, exit if you can, and you know call whoever you need to as you are leaving. Incidentally, I think they said also that the victim uh, began filming it's been my conclusion that in many instances if you're a victim and you start recording if it's a white person race soldier and they're already you know the recording only further amplifies. now they really are going to perform for the camera like did this nigga pull out a camera you heard him he said you know what are they going to do come arrest me care about it. I get my shotgun right now and blow and I've seen I've seen that consistently that they had the incident in Chicago black male he pulls out his phone started recording at that point the white it was a white woman too she spit on him I've seen a number of those where that they just escalated even more so if you're going to record I'd make sure that you're doing so from a safe distance in your vehicle where you can take off you can get out of there window is not rolled down where you're still safe you can get the, whatever info identifying information and then get out of there it's just it's way too dangerous and it's just been way too many uh, race soldiers who seem excited gleeful about the prospect of violence like total you know purge type energy uh, let's see I'll get in one email and then we'll get to the callers until justice at gmail.com email number one all right one of our investors the racist suspect anti-maskers are back to the midwest form florida spring break florida currently is to my understanding a no mask no social distancing state number one white male has been loudly and continually coughing in the work area for the past four days not sure if he got the vaccine probably didn't multiple female racist suspect co-workers have expressed concern 
to the racist suspects in charge since he returned from his Florida vacation. The suspect in charge were reluctant to intervene until they became concerned that clients may complain. He was finally sent home. Not sure if they are going to require him to get a COVID-19 test prior to returning. We've had so much of that uh, where uh, it's consistently it's been individuals classified as white who have been coughing. Seems like they might be sick. Cause at minimum like, hey, go home. Get yourself together and then, you know, come back in with, eh, yeah, yeah, you can hang out. Bob is all right. <laughs> like, it's been <clears throat> of lots of those types of scenarios over the past hmm, 14, 15 months or so. Let's see. Number two. White female suspected racist returned from Florida this week. She expressed concern that her teenage son was exhibiting COVID-19 symptoms, headache, diarrhea, diarrhea, and fever. Not sure if either of them was vaccinated. I learned today he tested positive, of course. He's probably down in Florida, too, for spring break. Coworker says she is asymptomatic. That would mean positive, too, right? I am trying to keep distant from the coworker. Like, Lord Jesus, like... Can, can we all go back to uh, working from home? Like, uh, it's probably going to be this like for the rest of the year, at least, at least, because it's probably going to be a lot of environments where, you know, people are not going to divulge their status, like if they're vaccinated or whatever it is. So people will just be coughing and sniffling and pretending like it's normal times, you know, banquets and pizza parties and all the rest of it. Uh, I remain vigilant, continuing, I remain vigilant as much as I can in the workplace regard, regarding COVID-19 precautions. Three months out from the Pfizer vaccine with no apparent side effects during admittedly short follow-up. So this person, uh, the author of this report, he did get the vaccine. Uh, he told us that he was not one of those excited and whoopee, got the vaccine, gonna say about that, eh, eh, eh. He said specifically because I work with folks like this, people who are going down to Florida for spring break, not taking the virus uh, seriously. They come in every day and chest bump all the coworkers and don't mask, don't social distance, all of that. He said, that's why I'm going to go ahead and get the vaccine because I don't want to take any chances being around these idiots and, you know, have something happen to me. And then lo and behold, nah. Not even, I think, two or three months ago from when he reported. So this is uh, why I said some of our listeners, they have been vaccinated and have been kind of giving us reports on what that experience has been like. But he is one vaccinated listener right on. And there you go. Coworkers cutting the fool the whole time. Uh, The email is untiljustice at gmail dot com. Let's see. Number hit the phone line 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate uh, let's see uh, Emmy I see you on the line uh, did you have commentary ma'am you should be with us namaste Namaste. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. You all hear me? Okay. Fantastic. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. I just wanted to give a little 
a follow-up uh, to my last call. So things definitely did escalate. Um, they, so I sent an email. So just to touch it, like to bring it all back, I guess. Um, a woman shows up, says that I'm supposed to train her. She shows up in the middle of the night. And I'm not expecting her. I don't know who she is. I don't know anything about her. So I wasn't expecting her, and I had already done all of my work. So I say, you know, I call the supervisor to confirm. He doesn't know anything about it. So I'm like, you know, since I've already done anything, just chill on the couch and, um, you know, consider it free money or whatever. And next time that I'm supposed to train you, we'll just start fresh from there. Meanwhile, I'm uh, getting ready to do my morning routine, which involves um, prayer, uh, breakfast, and lecture, and then folding whatever little bit of laundry is left that I didn't fold um, during the night. So I explained that to her because I'm going to go into the office and close the door, and I don't want her to, you know, be scared or whatever. Uh, If the alarm sounds that I am still paying attention, I just need to go ahead and do my morning routine. So she says, cool. I, you know, pray, do my thing. And then while I am, I forego my lecture and while I'm folding the laundry, I just talk to her for a little bit, which um, is where it all breaks down. And because there's nothing to train, you know, there's nothing, you know, I just start telling her like a couple of things. Like, for instance, how I responded to her knocking on the door. I said, you know, that's something that you want to pay attention to. People's children or the parents or legal guardians of these children, sometimes they're very abusers, know exactly where they are. Like, they're allowed on the premises. We have no security. So if someone comes and knocks on the door and doesn't have a key and doesn't have a badge, do not let them in. She did have a badge, which is how she got in. If she didn't have a badge, I wasn't going to open it because I don't know who she is. And I wasn't expecting anyone. But I told her, you know, that's fundamental to your safety because a lot of times you are alone. So if you open that door and someone bum rushes you or something like that, you're by yourself. There's no and no one's going to even know what's happening to you unless shots are fired. You know, it's it's that type of facility, the open door facility. So um, you know, I explain things like that. She tells me um, that she's in school. She has two kids. You know, she's just talking, and of course, Emmy loving. Anyone who has a goal, like it doesn't have to even be, you know, school specific, but I'm just, I'm all about being driven in life. And so I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That's, she's non-white, by the way. I would not, okay, y'all know me better than that. <laughs> she's non-white. Um, so I'm like, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, you have two kids, like that's awesome. Do your thing. I'm all in for that. The overnight is great for that. You know, you'll be able to get a lot of studying done, blah, blah, blah. And um, she ends up telling me, she's like, yeah, I have a mission. I have a goal. I was like, yeah, we need more people like that in the world who are mission-bound, focused on their goal, all of that, you know. And I have to stress how supportive I was because the follow-up hurt my feelings. So, you know, after that whole shebang, I told her, I was like, yeah, you know, and I know having kids and all that stuff, you know, it's easy to get sidetracked when you are in school. I said, don't get trapped in the overnight. Like, because I don't make good money, but I, I make the kind of money that can make you get trapped. <laughs> Let me put it like that. Make you be like, oh, well, you know, maybe I won't 
sacrifice and all this stuff. Maybe I'll just sit here, chill on this overnight and like whatever. And before you know it, years have gone by. There's so many people at my job like this, particularly black people who are like, yeah, I was only supposed to be here for like a year. It's been five. There's one woman who's been working the overnight for 21 years. 21 years. Okay, wait, excuse me, 21 or 12. But either way, that's still a whole lot. Um, then there's another person, like, anyway, people get trapped on. They get trapped at this job and they get trapped at the overnight. Um, so I just said that. That's important, too. So then um, I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, once all of that is said and done, I was like, I'm just going to go back and listen to my lecture. I said, you know, don't take it the wrong way or anything because she works overnight. So we are going to be working together. So I don't want her to mistake this introductory banter as something that we'll always be doing. So I said, hey, you know, and, and I tell this to everyone, don't take it the wrong way. I'm really internal um, and introverted, and I don't talk a lot. So if I don't ask you about, like, your life, don't take it the wrong way. I said, I will remember to ask you about your kids because, you know, everyone is respectful, you know what I mean? But other than that, like I said, I'm going to mind my business. And she was like, oh, okay, you know, da, da, da. I said, yeah, I just let people know. And um, I'm thinking everything is fine. Oh, and then I tell her that I run a really tight ship um, because I work alone. So when I get the girls up, I can have anywhere from um, six and under when I'm by myself, meaning I have to do everything. And I have to get six girls, 10 and under or 12 and under, up, beds made, dressed, hygiene, meds, breakfast, and in the van and into school in 45 minutes. So you know, yes, I run a very tight ship. That is how I'm able to get it done. And I explained that to her. And I said, um, all this way that you see me talking, I'm not going to be like this once the girls get up, so don't take it the wrong way. You know what I mean? Like all this, like, oh, be on your phone and stuff, like that's not what it's about to be. We're doing that because the kids are asleep, the kids are down. So um, I, and pretty much the rest of it, she's on her phone doing her thing. I'm listening to my lecture, finish with laundry, do my morning routine, you know, do my thing. The girls get up. We have a very smooth morning, like super smooth. I really didn't have any issues with anyone except for one. She loves to uh, procrastinate, take her very precious time to do everything. And the morning before she did it, and I had to, like, how do I say this, get her on the right page, you know what I mean? when you have to, like, get stern with a child and, like, tell them, listen, we're, we're not playing the games, okay? Take your meds. Let's go. We have things to do. So it was one of those type of situations. But whenever I have to do that, I feel kind of bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like to um, to do that. And uh, so, anyway, I was going to apologize to the child, which I always do. I believe in that I think adults should, when they're, you know what I mean? Like, it's not a one-sided relationship. Like, if you're doing a lot, you got to be, um, make amends if you need to. And I've been working a lot, and I was like, maybe I was a little, like, extra, but she needed to come on. So anyway, all of this, I get an email 10 days later after the manager is like, hey, the girl will be back to train on Sunday. Um, and, you know, she felt discouraged, so can you not say anything negative about the company? It took me, I spent the whole night, like, venting about it and thinking about it. And I was like, that's how I'm able to recall the night. Like, what? What is she even talking about? So then I get an email. I get that same night the email is there. I just checked it later. 
and it's sent to me, the manager above the white female, and the head of HR, pretty much stating that the girl felt discouraged, that I talked bad about the Did we? Oh no! Oh no! I think uh, the signal, the dreaded signal, uh, droppage. Uh, I was going to blame the Commonwealth of Virginia and the Coon Man, but it might not be uh, Virginia. But I think uh, Emmy, she's been a DMV resident uh, for quite some time. So we'll see if we can nab her back. She was giving us the update for people who uh, were with us last week. Uh, she was telling us this uh, newer person, non-white person, uh, came in and, uh, you know, she was going to train her. She was telling us, giving us the update this time around about how they had their brief uh, kind of chin wag, talk it up a little bit, always likes to see people who uh, are ambitious, trying to do things academically uh, and give her some encouragement and telling her also the, you know, hey, I don't do a whole lot of public chatting about my personal life and asking you what kind of parties you went to in the weekend which is great uh and then we kind of got disconnected as i guess we were going to get to the updated portion uh while we kind of look for her to dial back in i will say we talked about some of this before we talked about it a lot actually many people are part of their code hey i do not go in and fraternize with other non-white people even if it's other black people that is like a bedrock part of their code i said consistently you don't go in talking about politics or anything, even with other victims of racism, because we're victims of racism. And many of us, we've been conditioned, we're confused about white people, or we've been uh, confused about racism. And it's easy for us to be manipulated by white people, directly, indirectly. So uh, it just I have concluded it can be a very risky thing, even with other victims, other non-white, even other black people specifically. Uh, it can be a very uh, risky thing to do a lot of unnecessary chatting uh, in the workplace. So I would just be very mindful. Try to keep things uh, as, you know, related to business as you possibly can. And definitely not thinking that this is, you know, homie, friend, uh, anything of this. So that's why I've said, like, hey, this is you don't want to be talking about, you know, thoughts on the O.J. Simpson trial thoughts on the Derek Chauvin trial, any of that uh, with, you know, folks in the workplace, white or non-white, because it's probably not going to pay off. Let's see. Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll keep an eye out on the switchboard here. And as we get Emmy back with us, we will uh, get the rest of her. So it'll be like a cliffhanger, as they say. We'll get the rest of her report. Or really, we only got last week. She was just catching up the folks who were not, you know, able to hear what she said last week. Uh, Irie in Louisiana, uh, while we wait to see what Emmy had to share for this week, uh, did you have commentary, ma'am? You should be with us, Irie in Louisiana, who I think has talked about doing some driving of her own. Oh, are you with us, Irie? Might be muted or just listening. Hello, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can hear you now. All right. Yeah. I don't know what happened with driving um, except for I'm trying to catch up on the book club and some of the headlines I've been missing. I heard somebody share that story about the tires uh, being sabotaged, and I was glad that he did that, that he went back 
and also about the person acting crazy at the hotel. And earlier today, someone was checking in the hotel, um, and I guess something, the, the clerk made a mistake, the little white guy, and he started hitting his head on the monitor. I said, oh, my, it's, you know, it's an exorcism going on or something. But, um, yeah, I was calling because I was reflecting over some things since um, since my knee is hurt. And, um, you know, I've had to deal with um, being very angry and to the point where I admitted to a friend that I saw, if I saw the lady ever again, I might try to slap her. I'll just say it. And I thought about, I'm like, I, you know, that's not right. I'm angry and I don't have a right to put my hands on anybody. But, you know, part of the reason why I was so mad was because that day that I substituted was my father's birthday. And he passed away before he should have, um, you know, like 50, not 50, 60, I want to say four, maybe. And so um, to honor him, I was like, I'm going to substitute today. I, I want to be with the kids. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to be constructive. And I even took his picture with me. And so when she lied to me and everything, something told me, don't do it. Like, do like the last time. Say, hey, there was another time they were trying to switch me. I said, okay, well, I'll just go home. And then I was like, no, well, it's my dad's birthday. I'll do it for the kids. But, you know, I didn't know I was walking into a trap, and I didn't know it was special education. And I just dealt with a lot of anger because, like, she really threw off my life doing that that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, I sent you an email, and I know you get a lot of emails, but I'm I'm also what else I can do as far as I have to keep my leg in a brace. And I can't do yoga now. I can't do my spin bike that I like to do to keep my cardio and stuff going. And, like, I also, um, you know, I've shared this. I'm uh doing business like uh, graphic design and now music um, again and not being able to walk around like I need to to you know what I'm saying it is it, it, hmm. so I just I'm just really mad about that still and I just been journaling it you know later so I can give it to my attorney so I can prove pain and suffering hopefully later because it, it is tormenting to be in a situation where your body, you know what your body can do, but you can't use your body because somebody wanted to get off early, really, like that, but that's, that's just, that's the system, that's them, you know, and I just be constantly asking the creator to, you know, change it because... We don't have the power to change it. Um, but I also wanted to ask um, if anybody knows about any grants or something from somewhere that I could apply for because the state is making it seem like they want to help uh, entrepreneurs and even have like a, a office for minority entrepreneurs, you know. And I'm like, so I tried using um, – little hashtag, you know, bonus words like, hey, I'm a black female veteran. So I'm thinking somewhere along the way black female and veteran has to have its own independent values 
when it comes to economic empowerment. Maybe you don't have anything for so-called black people, but you have something for women and you have something for veterans. And I'm being told, no, you need to apply for PPP. Well, interestingly, I can't apply for PPP because I started my business five days after their cutoff, and there's no justification, qualification, or validation provided why if you started a business after February 15th of last year, why you can't apply for a small business loan. You know, like so I, I, I need I need explanation. Like the SBA, I haven't been able to get in touch with anybody. The state can't give it to me. You know, it's just a run around, and I'm just tired of being a finagle. You know what I'm saying? I got my knee hurting, and on top of that, I'm trying to stay productive and constructive, and I can't because I don't have any capital. I have all these ideas and no capital. You know what I'm saying? Like. What do I do? I just really quagmire, you know. And then I can't stretch either. Like I got to not, I will say I can lay down on the ground and touch my toes, but, you know, I tried to do a pyramid just to see if I put all the weight on my arms, would that be okay? But I, I can't really do that right now either. Like the most I can do is some forward bends or whatever. So I, I um. Wait, let me think. Oh, yeah, that was one other thing. I agree with Emmy when um, with that story she reported about that little girl from um, West Africa, I believe, or Central Africa. I think I think that's exactly what she said. They don't know how to deal with her. She's traumatized and, you know, cultural differences. And she's just a little black girl, and who knows? They probably wouldn't have adopted her for, um, for the check like people do. Don't you get money for adopting kids or fostering them, especially from so-called war-torn crap hole countries and stuff, I guess? So they just literally deluded themselves and expected her to just snap into place and, I guess, become white, but that wasn't going to happen. I agree with that. And I, I'm, I'm raising up that young lady because she reminds me of the young lady I had to uh, call child protection for. Um, that was in foster care, and that's really sad. But thank you for um, again letting um, letting me defend and um, take care. Of everybody, stay safe as best as you can. Hotel. You stay safe as well, uh, Irie. I will get that email. My apologies, um, man. As uh, a yoga instructor and uh, a yoga student and you know someone who has uh, gained so much from being able to practice and just how that helps me manage stress and everything I can totally empathize with the uh, frustration of being injured and particularly to be injured in that manner uh, and so then your your mobility is compromised where you were saying where you can't really can't really move you know uh, the way that you know you're capable of moving your body and now that's compromised for something you know for somebody with this nonsense of a reason um, I will say um, I uh, hurt my shoulder uh, like the middle of last year and it made me miss like quite a bit of time uh, practicing yoga I had to take quite a bit of time off and that was uh, very frustrating um, I would say it can be a, a time where 
you can focus on some meditation uh, I love the physical movement and being able to move your body around and get some stretching in uh, but can be a time to just do the uh, meditation focus and it can be a time where you can modify and figure out some other types like I know uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, yin yoga where you don't get to do all the jumping around and all that other stuff but I mean hey you can be seated very calm very soothing it can have a lot of the same uh, nourishing properties so those are some options but I'll check out your your email specifically but I, I can certainly empathize with being uh, sidelined uh, from your practice uh, and being able to get in some good stretch and exercise in uh, and, and again for some you know silly reasoning um, in terms of I guess if anyone knows of any grants or what have you uh, that you could apply for feel free uh, they white people have a lot of that I think the same they the report that we started with they were talking about the arbitrary nature of requiring college degrees for certain jobs uh, also can be arbitrary with cutoff dates uh, saying if your business started here you're not eligible if it started before this date you are eligible that can be kind of an arbitrary thing as well but no surprise uh, about it and even for a lot of the black people who did have businesses before there it seems that they even had other obstacles like I mean like you can't win uh, quote the great Michael Jackson um, they got lots of problems and uh, yeah that's the way it's supposed to be in a system of white supremacy racism but I just I, I can sense the uh, frustration uh, and it is frustrating everything that you know you've been reporting and having to deal with and the school situation being untenable uh, and then injury situations are always, you know, the worst as well. Uh, just really making sure, listen to your body uh, and do your best. I just trying to focus on getting my health back uh, and then doing the other things that you need to do in terms of furthering your career. But really focusing on getting your health uh, first and foremost. Uh, and yeah, I'll make sure to get that email so I can see exactly if we can do some things that are or if I can suggest anything that might be helpful. Uh, let's see. Uh, any. Oh, we got Emmy back as well. I'm sure she appreciated your kind words, analysis of the pro. I think that was with last week, too, where she was telling us about the uh, young lady who they were saying, oh, she's crazy and got mental problems and all the rest of it. She's like, nope, I do not have mental problems. These folks are, you know, just practicing racism and, and all the rest of it. Uh, we do have Emmy back. Uh, if folks have any suggestions for Irie in Louisiana, we'll pick those up as we go. Uh, Emmy, I believe we have you back with us. Rotten Cell Service NVA. Uh, so we lost you. You were, I think you were about at the point, you were kind of giving us the update from last week. Uh, the new person, I guess, had come in. Uh, you all had talked. You gave her kind of your personal rundown. I don't go over my personal stuff, blah, 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 all that. Oh, okay, you're doing something academically awesome. Want to support you. We will go do it. Uh, and so then uh, the higher-ups come in and say, oh, man, uh, don't be bad-mouthing the company when you work with the new people, and that's about where we lost you. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Awesome. Yeah, that is where I remember leaving off. So I get an email saying that um, the girl is discouraged and thought that I was talking bad about the company and then um, that I had questionable, quote, unquote, therapeutic interventions. And that is what set me to the point where now I'm gonna I'm gonna respond um, professionally, appropriately, but um, 
it's about like I'm, I'm about to get serious with it. You know what I mean? Someone telling me that they felt like I said something bad about the company, I don't care about that. Somebody not liking what I said to them, I don't care about that. But once you start using language like therapeutic intervention, we're going to – it's a different conversation for me. Because therapeutic interventions is pretty much how you treat the children. And that, I won't, I won't tolerate that um, without, you know, addressing it in a, at a certain – with a certain energy. So I respond, and I said, hey, you know, um, she has every – you know, thank you for bringing – I was very professional. I wish I could read you all the emails, but it's okay. Pretty much – I said, thank you for bringing this to my awareness. Um, based off of what has been said, she has every right to have the type of training that she feels she needs to be successful, and it is obvious that I am not qualified to to train her. Um, and I pretty much left it like that. There was, of course, a little bit more verbiage in there, but that's essentially what I said, so I don't want to train her. No one talked, and this is what I'm saying, y'all, no one talked to me about these so-called questionable therapeutic interventions. No one asked me what happened, what I said, what happened with the children. No one asked me anything. So I'm not going to train this lady who I don't even know what her trigger was. You know what I mean? That means the entire 10 hours she could just be in she could just sit there being triggered by whatever it is I'm saying or doing, and I'm not going to – I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And um, and then, like, I don't even know what she thinks was questionable interactions with the kids or interventions with the children. So when when it's time to wake them up, if I'm just doing what Emmy always does, which works for Emmy because the house I work for is never on the radar. We are never having issues. I rarely, in the almost two years, I've only I made it a year before I ever did a physical hold, and in the past couple of weeks I had to do like two, but they admitted a girl. This white girl, we're not going to talk about her, but yeah, um, and she hit me. Actually, we will. She hit me. The white girl hit me, and that's how she ended up in a hold. So I've been here almost two years and have only done three holds. So it's not like what you know. What what are we talking about? The children love me. I don't know what. So I was really triggered, you know, because that's how you get a CPS charge called on you. So then the um, – and this is on, like, Friday. So I said, you know, please respond urgently or, you know, please respond because this is time sensitive. The girl's supposed to come on a Sunday. And I've already said I'm not training her. Like, I will call out. Mind you all, I've worked the entire month of April with no days off. So – sorry, y'all. I had to take a break or a, a breath. So I get an email, and the white manager, female, she says, well – I looked into it further, and it does seem like it was – oh, because that's what I said in the email, it was miscommunication. She says, it does seem like it was miscommunication, and no one is more qualified to train her than you. I said, well, thank you for following up to my email, and um, still, I'm not comfortable training her. I did use that word. I said, this is no longer a safe and comfortable situation for me to train her, and I'm still requesting that someone else train this lady. And I, it was just radio silence. No one responded. I said, okay, well, they're going to try to force my hand. I will not train her. Like, I will not be in an environment with just myself and this woman, and I don't know what it is that she's reading because I didn't say anything bad about the company, and I didn't do anything wrong to the children. So for her to come up with that and it get me put on HR's radar in a matter of an hour and a half, and you don't even officially work for the company, you know, like you don't even work yet, I'm not willing to put myself in a, in a situation like that. She's not trustworthy, you know, and apparently 
no one thought to ask me and get my take on it before escalating it. So I don't, this is no longer a safe working environment. And she created a hostile working environment. So I ended up, I did get another manager to move me to their house and, like, work it out for me. And I get um, a text message on Monday to come back on Tuesday. Um, You are expected to work and train, and I will be there to mediate. So I called the, and this one, this is the only time I've done anything verbal that hasn't been in writing, but it was very important that I get an immediate acknowledgement of my concerns because email, the one downside to writing is people can say, oh, they were busy, they didn't check their email. So if you have something time sensitive, um, you are running that risk. So that's one thing. So I called the white male manager and I explained what I just said. It's a hostile working environment. No one asked me. He agreed with everything I said. So I don't feel safe or comfortable working and with this lady, you know, until we mediate. Like, I don't know what it was, you know. Then when he brought up things, I explained everything to him, you know. Um, I told her not to get trapped. So what? She told me she was in school. I don't see what the problem is about. That's not bad-mouthing the company. But, hey, all right, fine. With the therapeutic intervention, I said, well, did she tell you I was apologizing to the girl? You know, like I wrote an incident report about it and everything. Document, document, document. So I don't know what she's talking about, you know. And, and, she, and he's like, well, they're being trained differently than how you were trained. And I said, I really don't care about any of that, you know. To get it to be to the point where it's at HR, I'm not training her. When we work together, it's totally different because we can split the responsibilities and she can do what she wants to do her way and I can do what I need to do my way. But the training part, I'm not doing that. So he said, yeah, um, well, you know, he'll try to, he said he'll try to show up to be there for the mediation. This is going to be Tuesday night when I'm supposed to train her. Tuesday, I called out. I thought about it, prayed on it, and I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm exhausted. I did some self-care, some pampering, and I called out and took care of things I needed to do in my own personal life. I sent the text message. I apologize about the inconvenience, but I'm not feeling well. I'm exhausted. I'm fatigued, and I need I need the day. Um, and I also expressed to him that I would not uh, work with this girl until there's mediation, until we can clarify, and I have a list of questions I intend to ask her. Did you tell them what I encouraged you for school? Did you tell them how I said how other people have gotten trapped, even though they had dreams and aspirations? What about how I interacted with the girl was really questionable? Did you tell them that I apologized to the girl? What is your intention? You know, like, I have a list of questions. I have no comments to make, just a list of questions to get clarity about what it is you read off of me to say whatever it is that you said to cause whatever it is that you caused. Um, That was then. I'm to the point now, I'm putting in my two weeks on the 15th, um, and so I'll be done here very shortly. So we'll see if I really have to go through this whole mediation thing. But in the two years that I've been here, I've never had to mediate with anyone. I've never had any of this. And so there's, you know, everyone has their opinion about, oh, she wants your job. She doesn't like you. She's jealous. She's this. She's that. You know, all I can say is she's messy. At the very minimum, I can say she's definitely messy um, and naive. But that being what it is, um, yeah, and so, okay, and then I called out uh, Wednesday night as well. I went ahead and took two days. I don't care. Hello, hello. Oh, I think they got us again. They got us again. 
the coon man you got to get better uh infrastructure for your mobile networks so that we can have uninterrupted service uh from emmy it's like it's like we're getting her uh report in installments so i guess we'll uh come back for the third installment uh from radiant emmy let's see I am so sorry. This is so embarrassing. Um, I'll wrap it. I'll make it really short. Can you hear me before yes, I even start talking? All right. Yeah. So you're not going to, you know, disrespect me or try to make me your slave pretty much by talking to me, telling me about the idea expect this and that and the third, whatever. So I didn't come. I took the time. It was great. Spent time with my family. Did some self-care. I felt a lot better. I was much calmer. And I couldn't guarantee that I was going to be level-headed if I had to come in on Tuesday. That's why I also took the time. I'm, I was so triggered. I was so exhausted. Like, I'm barely sleeping. I just figured, you know, I get in a situation, I start shaking. My nonverbals aren't tight. My cold is off. It will probably cause more problems than just call, calling out. They're looking for a reason to write me up. Um, another coworker told me, but it's okay. I'm not really tripping about it. Then another thing I wanted to tell you is I do close the office when I pray, and I told this, this is a totally different story. I wanted to tell you this last week. Told this white woman, um, hey, I need to go pray. It'll be about five minutes or whatever. Do you need anything out the office? She says, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm only in there for a couple minutes, and she busts in. I'm, like, mid getting ready to actually, like, go through my process of prayer, you know, like, bowing and everything. And um, she just busts in, and she doesn't say, hey, oops, my bad. I forgot. I'm sorry. In the middle of my prayer, she actually asked me to hand her her binder. It was, it was only going to be a five-minute prayer. Like, it's not like I'm praying for 30 minutes or anything like that. And that was something. And I was just like, look at this, you know. Um, but as always, I do apologize for the shoddy uh, service. Um, the couple of takeaways, just so it's like you don't just hear the drama, you hear the lessons. It is really important. Like, even when you have a cold and you let people know, hey, I'm not, like, super talkative or whatever, there's a chance that they will take that and run with that and still try to cause conflict for you. Um, so just I haven't had that happen, but it did happen this time. Two, you know, even when you are on your code and you're not saying anything, still be prepared for people to attack or try to practice racism against you. So I need to come up with a code for even that um, because I really didn't say anything wrong and I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I did everything by the book. I just, you know, like I, nothing crazy happened. So I'll be trying to figure out how do I exist as an actual human being and not a robot, but still have a code. And perhaps that's just one of the things that like, there's nothing perfect. So even when you're codified, there's opportunities for them to attack you or to figure out some type of way to attack you. Also, um, I think when you are codified and they know you're codified, they're going to come even stronger because I feel like that. I can tell that this white woman manager has gotten even better. Like her emails, if I showed you her emails, how she used to email and how she emails now, she's studying me and like coming stronger than before, which it's interesting because I haven't had that experience. You know, I'm like, oh, she really thinks that, like, she's going to catch me slipping um, or she's going to come stronger than me. And, and even still, when she came back and said no one's more qualified to train you, it was miscommunication. You really should have done all of that before you escal escalated it to HR. 
you know what I mean? Like that, but so. Um, and then I think it's also really important to um, keep everything in writing, keep everything in writing, but also be weary or mindful of the time constraint. I might lose service, so I'll leave it there. Thank you all for listening, and thanks. Wow. Much obliged, Emmy. Third and final installment, at least for the time being. Um, hung in there. Persistent uh, to get the report all the way to conclusion. Um, I think when she spoke with us last week, she shared like, hey, got things on the horizon. I can, you know, be a little more uh, change up my code so that I don't have to be as conservative using that word in a different context. Uh, I can be a little more loose, a little more liberal, take a few more chances than I would since I'm not on a job that I'm trying to hold for the next 10 years, next 20 years, anything like that. Uh, we told other folks like, hey, you find yourself in that sort of position. Hey, you can do some workplace experiments, you know, try your code out, do some different things because you'll have a lot more leeway uh, in that time period. So absolutely take advantage um, the details of that are, are even fascinating. Like somehow you saying, Hey, don't allow yourself to get trapped here. You know, if you got goals and ambitions, you know, you say going to school and everything, see it through, don't get, you know, don't stray off course here. You know how that can somehow be twisted to, Oh man, he was around here, bad mouth in the cup and, and squashing my ambition to, you know, strive it like do what? What are you talking about now? I did, like uh, that, that right there. I mean, it's been that is a part or that is a major indictment of the system of white supremacy. That sort of uh, toxicity where you can be talking to someone and encouraging them and, you know, seemingly to just, hey, you know, if you got to your goal is not to be here for five years. Don't be here for five years. You know, if you, that's what you want to do, great, awesome. Do it up. Get as many races as you can. But, I mean, if your goal is you're saying, hey, you're trying to go to school and do this, bravo. Just make sure you don't get sidetracked. Somehow that becomes, oh, man, she's talking trash about y'all. And all like, woo. And why so many folks, you have to be really careful uh, when talking in the workplace, talking to white people, talking to non-white people can be a very dangerous thing uh, I will say bravo for self uh, black self respect uh, the situation where you said hey I don't want to trust a uh, train this person uh, it's an unsafe environment it's dangerous you know I've never had to go through some sort of mediation <laughs> all the time I've worked years that I've worked I've not had to go through all of this before people questioning my therapeutic interventions and what have you uh, all of this, this fellow's going to come in. All right, I'll mediate the conversation on Tuesday. Say, so, you know what? I'm good. <laughs> I got been, and I think you had already shared, like, to have been working a lot of hours and getting a lot of extra overtime, stack a few nickels, like, to have a plan about all that. Like, you know what? I am going to take some me time. Can do a little yoga, can do a little meditation, get some breathing exercises in, look at the stars, get rest i think i just mentioned that take make sure that i'm getting really high quality rest uh since this situation is stressful and along with everything else in fact i'm gonna take two days to really make sure i mean that is 
outstanding like that's that's something else you can do hey I have a little bit more leverage I'm not looking to be at this job for the next five years heck I'm not even looking to be at this job for the next six weeks like oh yeah you got a lot more leeway you can still leave professionally she already has it on her calendar it seems May 15 putting in my two weeks notice bang <laughs> you can leave professionally but we you can practice your counter racist codification and even do some experimenting but uh yeah I'm I'm really sorry you had to deal with all of that because it's just so the out of like totally out of left field like I didn't do anything crazy. I didn't strangle someone or, you know, loot the petty cash. Like I'm trying to be welcoming to, you know, a new employee and going over things and, and I'm about to leave. Like, even if she has designs on my job, take it. I'm leaving. <laughs> like, uh, who cares? And to have that sort of like, just, ugh, 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 totally bad to say right up there with you announce. All right. I'm going to, you know, do my prayer, my little moment to myself not as you said not all morning long just take quick few minutes let anything you need you know just take my few moments to myself okay and then you go in and they oh excuse me excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. let me, let me can you give me those index cards and and five paper clips please oh yeah i know you just five paper clips and index card thank you kindly <laughs> like you couldn't have got that before you couldn't have waited five minutes like oh no no no, no. i got to disrupt your prayer right now got to get them five paper clips doesn't get any better than tacky much obliged Emmy uh, let's see did we get that right just making sure because I, I think uh, Irish she did say kudos to your commentary with the young lady not to take up all the time or it might have to get four installments with the cell service but Irie was saying about the young lady that you were talking about before uh, from the continent who they were trying to say she was crazy and you were like she's not crazy you all are just practicing racism and you know she's just adjusting to being here around you know you crazy racist basically did you hear her commentary for her, her I guess gratitude for you working with this young lady I did I did and thank you so much Miss Irie and she's actually doing well I noticed some of the things that she needed, like she really needed personal things like an MP3 player or a personal DVD. All the kids have them, but she got here so late she didn't have it. So I wrote them and kept advocating for them to get that for her because sometimes it is therapeutic. When the kids get to fighting and yelling and stuff, she gets to put in her headphones and kind of tune it out, and it's been really good for her. The other day, she she's just up, and she's so like, I don't know, she's like latching to me. She's like, let's just do all this. And so she helped me with my whole morning routine, and it was really, really good. Um, another positive I'll say is um, – actually, no, I'll wait because I don't want to take up time. If it gets, like, radio silence towards the end, I might chime back in. But thank you, Ms. Irie, for remembering. And the other black girl who was the headbanger, um, she's been doing a lot better, too, because they wanted to gaslight and make her crazy, but she's doing well, too. So I'm doing the best I can, and we'll do the best I can for the next four weeks for them. But thank you. When you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring. The grandsister used to say that for a reason. What we just heard from Emmy might be why really value producing black children do all that we can to try to keep them out of those types of environments. 
very likely that there won't be an Emmy around to, you know, look out for their best interest. Gus, can I slip something in uh, this, for Emmy, and I'll, I'll be done for the night. This is Irie again? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was listening to, thank you very much um, for the um, the episodes. <laughs> I appreciate it. I didn't expect it like that, so it, it was interesting. It really was, um, considering that we didn't hear it all at once. Um, but I'm glad that we didn't because... I have two thoughts. First thought is you said some people were saying that she wants your job. I don't think, and I'm speculating, I don't think it's that she wants your job. She wants a job. And so right now as a trainee, she's probably doing the best she can to show that she's as loyal to that institution as possible, even if it means sacrificing another non-white person that's been there longer and probably isn't typical to the people she's experienced. If she has experienced other non-white people, I'm pretty sure that you're um, above that, above the other people she's encountered. So she knows there's something different about you as well. So, you know, to use a metaphor, why not single out the person that, that's already like, you know, it's like looking in a pond, you see a bunch of fish, but then you see a red fish, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's the fish I want. I, I, what they call that, a red herring? I'm not trying to call you a red herring. That was messed up. Um, but you get what I'm saying. You're not typical to everybody. She can sense that. She wants a job. She wants security in her position, even as a trainee. And she wants to look like she's um, proficient as a trainee. So I'm going to nitpick and look at someone that's been here longer than me and report them, which I'm pretty sure isn't even the procedure because being in mental health myself, if she saw something that was questionable therapeutically, she herself as a trainee should know she should have written an incident report, okay? So that's where you can call Gal right there. Number two, the gentleman gave you your ace. It's not a joker. When you called him and you said that you didn't want to train her, he replied to you, and I'm trying to quote you. You said that he said that, well, she's not being trained the way you were. Well, sir, if she's not being trained the way I was, why am I training her? I can't train her because you don't want her trained like me. You know what I'm saying? That right there is another instance in which you can, you know, raise, raise a flag and say, no, you admitted yourself. We have, have two different training styles that probably means another or additional or a bridge training policy that I haven't been brought up to date on. So how in the world am I supposed to uh, train her when I don't know that training and she already acted out of protocol by accusing me verbally uh, by hearsay of doing something unethical and unprofessional and there is no written report. And I'll mute my line. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Much obliged, Irie. Glad to get the support for the young people. Uh, Those trainings, like, that's odd. I don't recall too many times where we've had an incident like what Emmy is presenting us with where she was the one being asked to train someone 
and then a problem came up there most of the time we have people either not getting trained or being trained inadequately that sort of thing not you train this person and then the trainee reports some sort of problem of that nature like that's a little bit peculiar for uh, our context but glad we can cover all bases and you still see some of the same dynamics documenting uh, documenting still extremely uh, important uh, in these type of situations as well maybe even more so never know when those wacky allegations uh, are going to pop out that's another thing for the workplace like man you never know when some sort of allegation uh, is going to be presented so that's why it always helps to have as much documentation as you can to help refute because I mean the off the wall allegations whew, they can really knock you for a loop uh, let's see uh, other folks dialed in with a hand up if you have uh, uh, comments here to share line should be open may I be heard Mr. Blue in New York <laughs> yes sir you should be with us alright alright greetings to all, greetings to Gus, greetings to all the callers. Um, first of all, Gus, I just found my book, um, Last Man Standing, that had been hiding in my closet, and I searched until I finally found it. Um, I'd like to know what chapter you are on, you all are on, so that I can um, update myself and be ready for the um, next uh, Thursday. Um, also, a question I wanted to ask. Um, I normally get the um, emails that tell me when the podcasts are up, and unfortunately for the past two weeks I've been busy uh, preparing for an exhibition, and I haven't gotten the emails for the past two weeks. So I just wanted to know if there's, a, if there's an issue on my end or if there's an issue on your end or if I have to resubscribe to get the emails for, um, for the cows and for the, um, the podcast. And... Um, I just wanted to say, um, I hope all, everyone is doing well, and um, thank you for the night. Thank you, guys. And thank you to all the callers. I'll meet my line. Much obliged. May uh, I heard? May I be? Uh, let's see. Let me may I be respond. Heard, let me respond to Mr. Blue really quick, uh, Phoenix. Uh, let's see, okay. uh, Mr. Blue. We are on last man standing. Jack Olson, uh, his book uh, Tragedy and Triumph of Geronimo G. Pratt. We will next Thursday be on the chapter 60 minutes. So in the book that I have, that's uh, page 297. 60 minutes, that's for next Thursday. Uh, we are, that'll be part 10. A good ways through. We're over halfway through. Still got a few weeks to go, but wow. <laughs> the last two weeks, in fact. Wow. Woof. memory lane for the cows too but lots of uh, very intriguing portions of the text over the last couple of weeks first part uh, reading more important than watching television the updates I think it should be my part I just have to go in and uh, update the last few programs uh, at Black Talk Radio Network and uh, they should be right there and then that should bring the email I guess alerts for those broadcasts and the future ones back up uh, but that should correct that issue. Um, I think that was it. Geronimo Pratt and the email updates. I think we got Mr. Blue. Much obliged, sir. Let me know if we missed anything, if you had 
Uh, another question. Book club ready to roll for next Thursday. Uh, let's see. Miss uh, Phoenix, U.S. Virgin Islands. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> good evening, Gus, and good evening to all the callers and listeners. Uh, I would like to respond to Emmy's situation. I have not heard all of the details, but I was listening to um, what she had to say this last go-round. Um, there's a Caribbean proverb that's uh, very common, and it goes like this. What doesn't kill you will make you stronger. And I hear a lot of strength in your voice. Uh, keep that. Don't let that go. Don't don't let them get to you like that. Uh, the next thing is I would like to think that they would not choose you to be the trainer unless you were very proficient at what you do. Uh, so know that uh, they don't choose weak people to be trainers. Uh, the next thing is uh, it, it, you said that you talk about HR, so I'm assuming you have a fairly large, you're with a fairly large organization. Um, most large organizations have a program called um, I know with mine it's called EAS, Employment, Employee Assistant Program. And that with that program, there are usually psychotherapists uh, that you can set up an appointment with. And I've seen this with most of the places that I've worked. And I have seen a number of employees in a variety of situations set up an appointment with the psychotherapist. Uh, talk about their frustrations. A lot of times when you're frustrated like this, uh, you may be losing some sleep or you might be sleeping more than usual. Uh, you might be uh, have a bigger appetite or you might not want to eat. All these are signs of mild depression. Um, when you sit with that psychotherapist, one thing that you can request is that they write you a permission slip to be off for up to a month. And if it's serious enough, uh, they can uh, write you um, up to three months on the FMLA program. Uh, but it sounds to me like you need some time to yourself. Uh, you taking off a day, well, you said you took off two days. Uh, I could pretty much guarantee you, based on my 40 years of experience in corporate America, that they're getting ready to really squeeze squeeze you more with a lot of um, weird kind of um, um, uh, emotional and psychological changes. Uh, sounds like they're setting themselves up to do the kind of cat and mouse thing. I hope it's okay, Gus, for me to use some um, analogies and that kind of thing. Um, so you can pretty much be prepared that they're going to play some games. The last thing that I want to say is uh, I probably, and this is in, in retrospect, um, I probably would not have told one of them that I'm going to make a prayer, uh, that just gave her permission to bust in on you. Uh, I really think that that was willful 
uh, this woman busting in on you after you told her that you were going to make prayer. They have no respect for that kind of thing when it comes to black people. Uh, And with that, I will mute my line. Much obliged, uh, Phoenix. Uh, We got so many metaphors today. The metaphors is for the compensatory call in the, the one that made me wonder said, what doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. I always wonder when I hear that one. So she has a medical background. I said, man, does does diabetes make you stronger? Because I, I think often that doesn't kill you. Does, does diabetes, does that make you stronger? Well, I think if I were going to um, uh, make that statement more accurate, what doesn't kill you can make you stronger. Uh, when, we, when we face life's challenges, I see it as we have two options. Either we can allow those challenges to make us stronger or we can let the challenge make us weaker, okay, because we won't be the same. (laughs) I see. I see. Diabetes does not make you stronger, Gus T. I'm not a doctor, but. No. Yes. Okay, but let me say that I have helped so many people, um, undo the diagnosis of diabetes, okay, to where they are no longer having high blood sugars. Just with a change of diet, uh, decreasing the stress, um, and with that teaching, once they become uh, uh, non-diabetic, they become stronger because of the knowledge of how to take care of their bodies in a better way. <laughs> I see. I see. Try not to get diabetes to begin with. That would be the recommendation I think Absolutely. from everyone. Woo-hoo! And by eating correctly, Lord Jesus, <laughs> as many of those suggestions were slip them in, I guess, as we can eat correctly, put those Cheetos down, <laughs> put the tater chips down, Stop eating all that sugar since we're talking about diabetes. Drink more water since we're talking about diabetes. Don't be sedentary since we're talking about uh, diabetes. Uh, Love all of the constructive recommendations for taking care of oneself. Yes. Can I add one more thing? Okay, because diabetes is very, very uh, prevalent in the Caribbean. The body uh, converts starches to sugar. So it's not just a matter of how much sugar you're eating, it's how much starches you're eating. And the diet here is full of starch. You've got rices, rice and yams and, I mean, just starch over starch, green banana. All those are starchy foods. And we see lots and lots and lots of diabetes here. <clears throat> Man. Health, man, got to take care of your health. That is super, super important. Vitality, go back to, you know, we need lots of vitality, energy, time and energy. Uh, If you are not healthy, you will probably not have the energy and vitality to replace white supremacy with justice. I don't know about those of you all out there, but I can speak for myself. I guess I we could ask her, but I can speak from personal experience. The times when I have not been healthy, you are not quite as ambitious. It is not. Yes. Let me go out and carpe diem and do this and do that. And sign up for the ant. 
not when you are not healthy. So, yes, preserve your health as best you possibly can. Man, uh, let's see. Folks who we have missed totally, uh, if you have a hand up, suggestions, uh, commentary on what we've uh, heard thus far, your own situation to share. Uh, folks, matter of fact, let me get some of these emails so I don't do the same error as normal. Let me plow through one email and then we'll nab some of the other folks who dialed in. Uh, let's see, person who wrote in. person who wrote in black female she says uh you make this type a little bigger to follow up on my email from last week i actually found out one of the managers assigned to my team is currently a professor which is why we are getting all these writing assignments i see that have nothing to do with our job i believe she uses these writing assignments to keep her skills current also i got a chance to speak to a few other people on other teams and they revealed a lot of information Many of the people on the other team are non-black versus my team, which is full of black people, but they recently added a few non-blacks. Now, the other team confirmed they don't like my manager because she is overbearing and doesn't know how to manage. She also picks at us for things we don't have to do, along with stealing our ideas and presenting them as her own. The other team confirmed my suspicion about an act of racism I believe happened. I spoke about two black employee, two, excuse me, two black people on my team who got demoted. Well, the other team, which has just recently put together, has an uneven amount of team members. There is supposed to be there's supposed to be 20 members per team. My manager said that the two black people on my team got demoted due to downsizing while adding two non-black team members later in the week. I believe my manager chose these two non-black people. If they were really downsizing, why not add the two black people to the other team to make it even? My manager is obsessive and racist, so she lies and picks at you to support her obsession. It's just crazy how she lies about everything and has the ability to lie as she goes. She makes baseless threats to scare us to support her psychosis. I've had full-blown conversations with the other team and they mentioned how they got together to tell their own manager off and this is the same manager that my manager trained so this new manager backed down and stopped harassing people. Now my team just makes excuses for my manager's behavior but I believe that's due to the confusion or PTSD that black people have fascinating now she pointed out and while well, say number one she said she found out all this information from just talking to some of the other team members uh, or other people who work for the company who are not on her team uh, I've said consistently that's one thing that you can do as opposed to we're going to get on the job and you know talk about all the local sports teams and how much beer we drank over the weekend and gossiping about who had on what outfit this week let's talk about vital information for the company let we can do a comparison contrast of branches and teams where you are actually getting information useful not gossip useful information about the place you work the people that you work with might even you know help you know oh wow i didn't even know that they had you know a branch in you know tequila who knew wow i might want to move that location at some point that sort of thing 
just talking to these other people like oh wow this confirms some thoughts that I had about our current situation and now I have new information so I know a little bit more now within all that she said that it seemed these other folks were on teams where it was non-black people if it's non-black people who knows they might have some white people uh, mixed in there but it might be that they will have an easier time like she talked about them rallying to oppose an abusive manager manager might be difficult as she said if you have a whole bunch of folks who are super confused super victimized it might be a lot more difficult getting them to rally for that type of action like we're not going to take it you're not going to continue you know kicking us around like this in the workplace like like might be a tad more difficult to uh, accomplish with all black people especially like I said if that group that did do this had white people in it like oh yeah I could see white people doing that like yeah we're not going to take this sort of thing (laughs) like we're going to stage some sort of mutiny and totally like you're not going to treat us like niggers uh, let's see. Email is untiljustice at gmail.com. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, folks, we missed totally. If you have commentary to share, line should be open. Proceed. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Uh huh. Good evening. Thank you so much for taking my call. I hope everyone's having the best evening possible. Um, self-respect for Emmy for taking the days off when you need to. That's important. And you know, going through all the steps with the paperwork and being prepared to go somewhere else. That's important if you have that option. Um, I know that it was one of the um. Clips talked about not being, not having to have a degree. I don't think that's going to favor black people because then, because you may be considered overqualified. Then, then when you do have the degree, then it almost such as has experience. You have the degree, and then you have the degree and experience. So I think it all. Well, I should say it may depend on the field. I know a lot of the IT seems like I think when it started, because they didn't really have people with that set in school, it was just kind of working through, so they could be going back to that. That's I think that's the nature of how IT developed in the workplace. We just needed somebody, so they just kind of got somebody, and they learned what to do, with. that's how they became good. And I know, well, I have an accounting degree, and data science is becoming more important with analytics and things, and even the big firms say they want you to have the accounting but they'll train you with the IT or the computer side. So I can see that. I don't know how that will work necessarily in black people's favor that are, you know, going to school for that unless they get an internship. And even then, you know. And I guess with that field being so, I guess it changes so much. So even when that area, when you do go to school, when you come out, is the information you learn obsolete or not? I don't know because I'm not in that field, but that could be something to think about for that field. Um, and uh, my personal work situation is the same, so I don't have anything to say about that. Um, and that's all. Thank you. Much obliged. 
Um, more black self-respect kudos for uh, Emmy, her situation, uh, always for folks in a workplace situation to be able to set boundaries. So important boundaries about, you know, how you're going to be treated, how you're going to be talked to, um, if you're going to be touched, my goodness, can't forget that one. Um, your personal, you know, space, your body and all that not being touched, like just setting boundaries is so critical, uh, for the workplace. And a lot of times black self-respect, uh, is what is needed to be able to enforce those boundaries, uh, make it stick in a workplace scenario. So right on, I think a few folks were right there with black self-respect, uh, for, uh, Emmy in the workplace and just making sure, you know, you're, uh, going to be treated correctly we're doing as best we can make sure we're not being mistreated uh on these jobs and things um let's see oh excuse me hello yes ma'am yes ma'am i feel like the one thing i really talked about i don't know if this is necessarily workplace racism but I, but there um i was online i watch sometimes youtube videos those asmr relax Social relaxing, get you to sleep videos because I work late, so I'll try to get you to sleep. And they had something called Reiki healing. I never heard of that. I was like, okay, whatever. And they were saying it was a Japanese art, energy thing, whatever. And I see all these white women doing it. I think it's a one white, maybe a couple white men, a whole bunch of white women. I mean, tons of, well, I shouldn't say it. It's not like I watched every video, otherwise I wouldn't want to sleep. But I just think that's like how they just, the same thing with the yoga, how they just go in and take over and then go, oh, poor me. I'm like, are you serious? You're you're like all over this field with the energy and the crystals and the whatever. I guess your, your white man laughed at you, but you were like, forget that. I'm going to ride this to the wheels, well, you know, keep going with this. And I just think it's, you know, medical apartheid because I don't see, I didn't see, I think I saw maybe one black person in it. I just I saw one Japanese person, but a white person went to Japan to get the treatment. I'm like, but this is their thing. Why, why are they not perpetuating this? And I see that I saw a lot of, you know, energy, alternative healing, crystals. And I'm not saying I believe in that or don't believe in that, but the fact is this is their job. They're making income from this, and this is the area that they have done. It seems like a pretty good job shutting out other groups of people. Thank you. That is, I mean, that's the industry standard from the cannabis dispensaries, yoga teachers, all of it. The, uh, the ASMR videos, like I'm not surprised at all. White women or white people, period. I think I have seen a few of those or it was white guys, uh, doing them too. But yeah, I'm not surprised at all, (laughs) but they just come in, Bogart take over and yeah now we're the the experts uh, on all of this and have made it difficult for anybody else to get a job or as you said you hardly ever see a black person or any non-white people uh, now doing some of these videos on or I guess the more popular ones the ones that are getting lots and lots of views and heavily promoted and such like that's you know standard operating procedure uh, with the white people for all even all the way back to uh, midwifery uh, that was something that was, you know, black people uh, were doing and then they outlawed it. And now they've taken over that same drug. <laughs> Lots of things. System of white supremacy. White people are always in charge. At times they can give the impression 
that non-white people are in charge or sometimes they will allow non-white people to look like they're running some things but nah, we can just come take it over anytime we want to and erase your whole part of history out of this um the whole thing same thing I said the same thing with the college degrees too where she said uh, she didn't think that was going to help it's not really addressing racism they could just say that if they wanted to solve that problem it's not going to help at all you have tons of oh, you have tons of qualified non-white ASMR folks they don't you know get all those benefits. you have tons of non-white people who qualify for all types of things and they don't get hyped they go get some non-white person who lied about their app lied on the application and father worked at the company some nepotism uh mixed in with the racism to exclude qualified non-white people so yeah that's you know that's why we have the whole program that's why we're trying to do this in the first place replace white supremacy with justice let's see otherwise uh other folks who dialed in that we missed totally if you have a hand up commentary to share uh line should be open proceed cannot be heard uh bay area mom yes ma'am hi thank you for taking my call um greetings to you and the callers on the line um I, I missed half the show, so I'll just do my workplace racism. Uh, um, so the Spanish-speaking white lady, she's come back. Um, I guess she came back on the 12th of, I don't know, maybe, yeah, this month. So um, I had an um, overlap with her, and she canceled. Uh, uh, oh, girl. And then I had another one with her. She canceled that one. That was Wednesday. And so I had another overlap with her. She came in on that one, but we had to end it early because the the, the girl started crying. And um, the, the parents canceled uh, the sessions thereafter. Um, I'm just noticing... Um, while I'm worried about these kids and whatever, supervisors are just, not all of them, but enough of them, they just cancel whenever they want. They just do, it's just, you're supposed to over overlap and see what the program is, see what we're doing or not doing, and you're, you're canceling. Um, and I'm noticing that I'm over, I'm too invested. So uh, I um, I go I I had to take two days off on um, last week, and so I put in a notice for two weeks to take it off because I had a dental appointment and their AM appointments. So I had to take off when it's that kind of stuff. So I took the following day off as well, and uh, so like I said, I did two week notice and. Um, made my appointments two weeks ahead as well. And so then you'll get the, oh, they're going to be crying for you. Oh, dear. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, okay. So then the other one, oh, two days? Okay. I'm going to have to remember to tell them you're not coming. Okay. So then I get back. I'm taking the two days and the kids are like looking 
Mm-hmm. And the parents are, oh, oh, that I had to drop them off early at such and such house because they just start screaming for you and oh, it was awful when you weren't here. Two days. So, um, I've been overwhelmed. I had headaches and stuff. So, um, I decided to go online and call or contact Kaiser and do one of the video appointments. And, um, I just was telling the doctor that I don't have, I don't have, I don't get a chance to really lay down. So I don't get to elevate my feet the way I should. So, um, the doctor took me off work for a week. So I go to the back, I go to an actual visit on, um, Wednesday and then we'll just go from there to see how much longer or whatever I'm going to do thereafter. But, um, yesterday I, well, maybe it was today. Well, yesterday I ended up letting everybody, maybe whoever does scheduling know or however, because it's so crazy. Nobody, since everything is online, you don't know who you're talking to. You don't know anything. Nothing is, it's so backward. It's just dumb. So I contact whomever scheduling is and they don't answer. Then I got to contact another portion of scheduling. So you can contact the parents before session so they can, you know, do whatever they're going to do next. So, um, so now I'm off for a week and, um, I'll just take it from there. But I had to just kind of realize that if these people can take taking off work on Zoom, yeah, you're not going to stay there and kill yourself. So that's it. And thanks for taking my call. Black self-respect and boundary setting again. Um, Much obliged to our Bay Area mom. Like just within the um, course of you sharing, I think it sounded like you had at least two yawns. Like, man, like you sounded so tired. Like that is terrible. Like they will just, I think I mentioned that. I just told that to someone. I was like, more sleep. That is, that is one thing in my life. Like, oh, more rest like I've been stressed where it's same thing that she's talking about just being stressed where you feel like you don't have time to go to bed and then you finally do fall asleep and you have to get right back up got to go to work or got to go you know do whatever else on the plantation uh, and that's horrible uh, for your health just not being able to get quality rest and then over long periods of time chronically being fatigued and not getting enough rest is just it's horrible uh, for your health uh, and well-being in so many ways uh, and then to be on a job like that where it's so flagrant, where we've said that, like, they're not invested in you at all. They're not invested in the children at all. Like, that's why I've said, like, man, exit strategy like this place is so lame. And it's so lame because this isn't even the first time that you shared this with us. We're supposed to be some form of uh, supervision from your staff. And, that, eh, you know, we got other things to do. I'm going to sit in my footies and do some Netflix binging today. I don't have time to do something. And sometimes these overlaps, it's like on Zoom. <laughs> They're supposed to do it and they still don't even come in and, and do the supervision. Like, what in the world? Like, it's, <laughs> it is totally appalling. Like, it's appalling for the children that they, in my view, clearly not vested in uh, seeing right by these children. And they're not vested in the staff. You're not vested in the staff. You're not vested in the children. Uh, it's just been flagged with the whole time. And 
wow to have it you know be taking that much of an impact uh where you're just fatigued drumming that's in uh delectable negro too uh where i talked about that where just uh the the psychic energetic consumption uh where they just take all of your life force uh out of you like where they're not you know literally cannibalizing you but since we got all of our metaphors rolling today uh in a metaphorical sense they are just totally cannibalizing all of your time and energy like you called in for weeks now talking about oh can you pick up this extra can you pick up pick up this extra one oh can you get this extra one like man i can't even why do i have to run all over california and rip and run and can't even get home until the wee hours of the night and it's dark and all the rest and candy why do i have to do all this for you all am i being paid that much am i being taken care of that well come on that's ridiculous i'm I'm glad you were able i'm sad i had to get to that point but i mean wow like invest in your health for the time that you have off uh even though you said that's kind of slipshod the way that they're doing it because everything has to be virtual and you know all the rest of it but man invest in your that's theme for the program you had so many people talking about how these lame work situations impacting their health and well-being. Irie said that in a variety of different ways, too. Irie said that. Emmy said that. Not being able to rest. Major theme for the day. Theme for my life. Like, man, these lame, stressful jobs, sometimes with other racists, sometimes with other victims, they impact our health and well-being in a variety of ways. Like, that's something that just cannot be understated. That's why it's so much that has to be just even recognizing like, wow, this is causing me a lot of stress. You know, it's, it's stress. Even though I'm not coming home, maybe and yelling and cursing about it. I'm not getting rest the way that I normally would because this is stressing me out. That type, like really being mindful and doing things to replenish, nourish your body and even recognize it like, man, this is just not a healthy plantation for me. Like they're all going to have some toxicity in them because we're on a global plantation. But I mean, this one is really lame. Like I could do better. <laughs> Make sure I can get a little bit of my rest back, get a little bit of my health and well-being back. Um, yeah, that is Bay Area mom. Like take excellent care. Um, offspring or, you know, looking out for you. Your health and well-being is important for lots of folks. So yeah black self-respect for setting boundaries for the job and then exit strategy exit strategy and i'll say legs up the wall get that one in because she was talking about being on her feet so much like woof and because you were sounding just drained from all the stress of all this we did that post today uh we ended our session this morning with legs up the wall like that's so easy and it's just such a restorative pose um all you do exactly how it sounds legs off the wall go to uh the nearest wall structure that you have bookcase would probably work too uh all you do sit your bottom on the floor and lie back so that your back is prone and then rest your heels so that your legs are straight up uh your legs are parallel with the wall so that they're supported and you can just lounge luxuriate you can have a, a small pillow to support your head a little bit and just rest uh, it allows the blood to easily return uh, to your heart it's so restorative it can be helpful to help you go to bed uh, even if you're not trying to go to sleep per se it just is really relaxing triggers your uh, parasympathetic nerve system to get some of that calming effect for the body and mind 
legs up there. You can just put it in if you need to see a visual, but sit on the ground, scooch so that your heels, feet are as close to the wall as possible, your hips and everything close to the wall, and then just lie back so that your head's on the ground and scooch so that you have your heels and legs as flat close up against the wall as you can, bottom close to the wall as you can, and just let the vertical wall support your legs. Excellent pose to rest in at the end of a day, let go of some of that stress. You can just hang out there for like five minutes or maybe even longer. Uh, let's see. Uh, folks that we missed totally, number is 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, folks, we missed totally. Can I be heard? Mo in Dallas, yes, sir. Um, yes, uh, thank you. Uh, greetings, Gus. Greetings to the listeners and callers. Again, thank you for the program. Um, uh, I'm calling in because uh, last week um, I called and um, stated that I, I returned to work after um, a, a car, uh, a after I was struck in an accident. And uh, that following Monday, uh, I was um, uh, recommended to take an recommended by my um, therapist to take additional time off, in which I did. Um, I think it'll be beneficial just because coming back into that environment was it, 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 it was stressful in itself. Um, it really was just just as much activity was going that was that happened that day, and um, I actually didn't feel physically up to returning to work. Um, so I'm going to take that additional time off. Um, uh, it was it's very interesting though because um, since I have uh, taken that time off. Uh, I was um, on reduced hours. I am an essential worker, but my hours are being reduced, so I uh, I filed for unemployment. You know, they'll they'll um, they, they pay the difference if your hours are reduced. Um, and now, since that um, um, I haven't been working, and I won't be working for the next two weeks. That's five weeks total, um, and my unemployment has been halted. Um, uh, like some sort of error has occurred, and now I have to appeal, which takes like six weeks. So yeah, um, I don't. I, I, I like I'm now I'm stressed about that. So <laughs> it, 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 it'll be okay. It'll I guess everything will work out eventually. Um, is but I wasn't prepared. Uh, for this uh, particular hardship. Um, everything else is going well, though. Um, I, I am progressively getting better. Uh, uh, I, I do appreciate the additional time off, but um, I would like, I would also appreciate the assistance that I thought that I was looking for to receiving during my time off. Like, I, I, I would appreciate if that would happen. Um, um, self-care is very important and I do commend the, um, 
the, the callers who are are practicing self care um, and uh, that, that that do um, have like strong strict boundaries uh, for for their workplace environment. Um, I, I I got hugged and uh, when I was back, I didn't enjoy that. I mean, I, and I and I stated that I didn't enjoy it. Um, it was it was awkward in itself. That's all I have. I need my line. Thank you. Rona, Rona, it's all I would hit him with. Whoa, social distancing, social distancing. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Air hug, back up. Give me some space. Give me some space. At least he said he was able to say, I did not enjoy that, which that right there can set the tone where we might not have too many more of these in a workplace setting. Like, uh, love it. But yeah, health so critically important health and well-being trying to preserve our uh, health and well-being as best we can Uh, just man like it can be wow that that just once your health is compromised like that can can cause so many other problems uh, and set so many other things in motion uh, I guess for more in Dallas being getting some some time away from work, same thing I'd said before, like, wow, if you get that time away, enjoy, rest, self-care, nourish all of the above, maybe read all of the above. Um, but yeah, like that's you, you can't even can't even get that and, and have it be stress free because you got to be worried like, oh, my gosh, are they sabotaging my unemployment and, you know, all the rest of it? Like, yeah, I guess you can make 50,000 calls and emails and all the rest to get that resolved. But I mean, man, it's just, you know, right, put it right poorly for a reason. Uh, you know how things are around here. Yes, we know how things are around here. Deliberately so. Uh, much obliged Mo in Dallas self-care glad to hear you are on the mend uh, continue to take good care of yourself safety out there on the roads man it has been uh, extraordinarily unsafe in all manner uh, other folks who dialed in if you have commentary to share uh, line should be open if we missed you totally uh, proceed May I be heard? Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Uh, I wanted to start out with, uh, I guess it's a form of codification of it has to do with uh how I'm calling back customers and if someone has already helped the person and what I do is I make a paper trail of it. I jot down the name and number and I put a check mark by the name if I've contacted the person or if I've already finished a request that they made, you know, they may say for example, oh well, you know, someone's already uh, someone has already contacted me about 15 minutes ago. So I say, okay, you know, I was just calling to make sure everything was good to go. I'll say good to go, 
And every time I say it, I say it the same way or something similar, and it seemed to work. So I just keep repeating that, and I just made that into a code. Um, so I just I was just thinking about that to begin with, uh, and with callers, I've had some interesting callers. There was uh, one lady who she well, I thought the person would be classified as black, but you know. We don't get to see the people. We just hear the voices or whatever. So she sent me an email about uh, her being a part of, I guess, the indigenous tribes. I don't know what classification, uh, maybe Seminole or whatnot. But she said that, you know, as she was growing up, she said something about she knew she wasn't a black person or something like that, you know, and it's a site called uh, BL something about like uh, federal land or something. And it was something that was beyond my ability and I couldn't really help her out with it. So I just gave her the links and the ways to how to get to that site borough of land management or something like that. Uh, so she was just going into a lot of different stories. I can't really remember, but I just remember her saying that, say, you know, yeah, I knew I wasn't no black person or something like that. You know, I was really this certain height. I was this tall and my hair looked like this. So... I just kind of just let her talk or whatever. So, um, uh, my next one was there was a a person I think was classified as white, and she wanted a copy of her final judgment, dissolution of marriage. So, she was talking about a judge, and I knew who the judge was a circuit judge, white man. Um, suspected racist uh, and she said that this person the way she worded it is that you know I just couldn't stand him he was a mean man and he just hated people of color right uh -oh. exactly so I'm like uh, <laughs> I said oh really is that is that so uh yeah, you know, I just I just can't stand being in the courtroom with them. And, you know, I'm just glad that's done and over with. And, uh, you know, thank you for the copy and everything. So the reason I bring up this person is uh, in the past, I did kind of, I don't know if I could say vibes. Um, like he never called, you know, the obvious, what they call racial slur. But I could tell that uh, when I was when I would go into the offices, when he had his office, uh, the judicial assistant and him would be talking, and <laughs> he would he would uh, he would be talking, and you know, like conversation etiquette or whatever. The uh, the person would look at that person. 
and then turn and look at you if you standing there. I don't think there was ever one time this person made eye contact with me. Maybe except for like in passing, like, you know, hey, how's it going or something like that. And I say, Judge, how's it going or whatever, Yana or something like that. But I noticed that and I just only heard things, you know, um, and, you know, from different people or whatever, but he had to step down two years ago. So I don't know if that was due to racism or not, but it was interesting to hear that person say that. Um, my, uh, my next one is, uh, I was coming into the department and there was a melanated female, black female sitting on the stool to take a passport picture. And another black female was trying to take a picture. So she called me over to try and take the picture because, you know, we've been having some issues with the camera, uh, producing, um, good photos of darker complected people. So I don't know if it's something about the contrast of the lighting or the above lighting or what, uh, but on this particular day, it happened to be some issues with getting a, a decent picture. So I tried to take at least two pictures, and then they ended up using a picture that somebody else took. And I heard the lady say, oh, yeah, you know, because I am really dark. I am dark. Um, so one of the what I call click gang members, um, she was talking to a white woman and, you know, I just happened to be walking by and I believe I was trying to stand there and get the picture from one of them to take to the counter. And she was like, yeah, you know, we just got to try and find a better way to take pictures. Uh, cause I don't know if our machine is being racist. Some, something like that. She said something like, machine being racist like that's what i was thinking in my mind so after she said that she just walked off and the lady wasn't in there for her to hear that uh but i know we've been having this thing with the camera and taking pictures of uh uh darker skinned people i wanted to share that uh i had two more uh there's been a victim of racism who's been coming to the drive-thru and the whole office is just like, somebody just got to come talk to this guy. He just keeps yelling at us, this and that. Uh, one of the, another one of the uh, people, uh, females in the clique, she uh, has a white and a non-white parent. So she's coming up talking to me and another white person and she was telling us, Oh yeah, he just doesn't want to talk to me. He's called me the N word and the victim started laughing in the background. Um, and she's like, yeah, he's called me the N word and yeah, he's another black person too. So I'm just surprised that he would say that. And he thinks that I look like a man. I don't look like a woman. 
So he's, he, he calls me names, and he doesn't say this to, and she named the white female's name, but he doesn't act like that toward her, I guess because she's a white woman. Okay, so this guy's been, I guess, holding up the line and then just causing all kind of issues. So another black male uh, had to come in to help this guy out. Okay, so we had to order the file and call in two uh, security bailiffs, sheriffs, just for this one guy. And I guess he might be what they call homeless or whatever. And the the exchange, like I was sitting in front of it, I'm like, man, you know, this is this is how they see me. This is how they see me. Just like this guy right here, like the tension that's in here right now. Uh, the racism, the anti-blackness, the misandry, you know, um, is is very uh, immense. So, you know, they're trying to look at me and smile like everything good or whatever. But I can already see, I guess I could say see through it. Um, but it was they, from what the guy ended the conversation, the, the black guy, who is the civil court director, he says, well, you can just come back next week. We'll, we'll hold your file for a week. It's a 1995 felony case. We'll hold your file for a week, and I'm the only one that you'll deal with. You'll, you'll, you won't talk to anyone else. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, why Why the black guy, you know? Why the black dude got to be the person to deal with the the, uh, the black customer? So I just thought about that dynamic where white supremacists will get black people to communicate with other black people. And my supervisor has been doing that and being racist. So um, we're supposed to be having a sit-down conversation, and I think a lot of people are expecting me to give my point of view, but... I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to just sit, take notes and let them just talk to each other. And that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Much obliged caller in Florida. That would be my recommendation for those type of situations. Um, Anytime where, you know, they're going to try to goad you because we've had we've had it in lots of different uh, formats where sometimes the white people will come as a group and say, we're going to have some sort of meeting or query because we are just, you know, the most ignorant, you know, folks in the universe about racism. And we need you, oh, great black person to come and educate us. We'll have a forum and you'll be able to just talk and tell us uh, all of your thoughts on racism. We've heard that one. We've heard some people say that we're going to have some sort of workplace uh, racism 101 type thing. And we want you to be a part of it and come and share your views. We've had that one. We've heard some other people. Can we just come and sit down and hear your thoughts? You know, we know you've got so many ideas. You're an expert because I, I just don't know anything about racism. I just need someone to explain it to me. All of that. Eh. I'm not here to give my views. And check. was a, a female caller. She said, oh, I think my fee is going to be about $5 million minimum. That might even just be a retainer. The actual fee might be more than that. So, I mean, hey, that is not anything cheap to get my views on racism. Might have to try and get Jane Elliott. I think she's more in the budget, like $5,000 or something. 
You are here to take notes, ask questions, and write down the answers that you get to your questions. That's it. This is not the time. I have been waiting for this moment. Let me tell everybody at the courthouse what I think. No. Let me write down what everybody at the courthouse said. And then I'll see if I have any questions that I need to ask. And then I'll write down those answers. Let's see. Uh, codify everything. That was where we started at. Codify everything. Even how you answer. Uh, and I say particularly. If you talk on the phone. Oh yeah. Codify everything. Because a lot of folks. This day and age. Like it's recorded. Even if it's not recorded. You should behave as though it is recorded. Because it may be. And you just don't know. Uh, so. And when I say codify everything. You have an exact procedure like he was talking about an exact uh, protocol in terms of what you say what you don't say they get on and start making racist jokes you have a procedure about that they get on and just start rambling and talking about it let them talk you know but you have a procedure professional procedure in how you conduct yourself dealing with phone calls racist they even racist thing because he said that too where people have called in made racist comments you know the protocol for dealing with that too codify everything uh, then he said that the uh, female, she called in and said that the judge is racist. Circuit court judge is a racist. Just doesn't like colored people in the state of Florida. Really? You imagine that. <laughs> and he says, oh, and I happen to have personal knowledge with this person. Yeah, I think this suspected racist seems like that might be the case. And this is the judge now, the circuit judge. He said, "I mean, I don't know. I don't. I'm, I'm ignorant uh, about jurisprudence still, except for O.J. Simpson. Uh, so I don't know what type of authority he has. Now we've we've heard just little tidbits. Uh, resolution of divorce, passport photos, deeds and covenants, quite a few things. Some. Uh, uh, it seems like some aspect of juvenile court, like." This is not, you know, the most important things in the world, but just the little tidbits of things that we've heard in terms of daily business at the courthouse. Like, ooh, some of this stuff sounds kind of important. Fella came down there trying to get his criminal record. That's kind of important. Like, this is not exactly, you know, child's business. Major important stuff. And we got somebody who apparently multiple citizens in North Florida think that this guy is a racist. And he's still hanging. Then they just they just fired that woman. I had that up there. She was in Colorado for calling people nigger. And she's a judge like, how many judges do we have practicing racism, white supremacy? Urgency to solving this here problem. Uh, Man, come on. So at the Florida courthouse, we, we got citizens and co-workers who think one of the circuit judges is racist. Apparently, we got workers who also think that the camera at the courthouse is racist. (laughs) Man, talk about days where you write down just, I think we have a racist machine. Let me get my pad here. Uh Racist machine. And how was the machine racist? Machine can't photograph dark people correctly. Hmm. 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 In fact, I can even pause as my cows hosting duels duties, right? 
in a previous lifetime, uh, Gusty did a little bit of in-school photography work. So all these years, even back then, apparently they had racist machines too. In fact, I had a lengthy out-of-class conversation about photography and racism where my photography teacher who was a white man suspected racist he explained to me the long tradition of negras not being photographed correctly sincerely sat back explained all of this and uh, it's a lighting thing when you go to photograph white people uh, he was basically saying that you end up using if you use a lot of light in photographing white people they'll come out to white too bleached too pale so when you're shooting white people you would tend to want to go lower light the reverse is the case with highly melanated people if you do low light they will come out very dark and you'll not be able to see them so you have to do the opposite and do lots of light and then bang you'll be able to see them all their features everything else uh, he was saying that apparently this was so sophisticated so that for years people did not photograph black people correctly so as opposed to saying that you have white people who practice racism and do not care to be detailed in photographing black people it's just oh we have racist machines racist codecs racist codecs and all the rest hmm a little bit more light. That's all it is. A little bit more light. Do they not have flashes? Do you think they can't afford flashes at the quarter floor house? I know some days are cloudy in the sunshine state. <laughs> so in the sunshine state, they can't afford flashes for the cameras. That generally solves the problem. If it's too dark, they, that, that's asking too much. Well, the um, the flash is usually on the camera. I think it just it's just the the above lighting, there's an issue with that. They still have to get the uh, facilities, the maintenance uh, people for the from the county to come and put in uh, better or brighter light bulbs. From what the uh, explanation they were giving me, um, either that or I think the background lighting has been exhausted from us using it so much because they definitely can be cheap and don't want to get newer equipment, you know? Um, but if, if I could add in, uh, one last tidbit about this person, um, (laughs) uh, this was years ago. I think I might've shared this who said the machine, is racist the the victim advocate that's the term they use for dv court domestic violence um downstairs where i used to be in the filing area when she first started uh 2013 she said watch out for her she doesn't like black people that's the way she worded it to me i said huh (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was still listening to the the context of white supremacy, um, but that's the way she verbalized it to me. I said, "Okay," and this is the same person that you know 
that said this comment. And that's obviously involved with these emails and these text messages. All right. So, yeah, there's just more background on this person. That's pretty explicit. Like, wow, I don't hear that every day in a workplace setting to say such and such does not like black people. Like, wow, okay. Uh, (laughs) And then it would be, well, how many people have jobs here at the courthouse who don't like black people? Like, we got the judge. Seems like quite a few of the group members. Like, what the hell? Like, uh, what? They don't have a sign. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're serving all citizens of North Florida. If you don't like black people, get the stepping. We're taking care of everybody. Like, we are done with those days in Florida. Like, no. (laughs) Like, uh, yes, you don't like black people. You don't either. Come work at the courthouse. Uh,. Yeah, and then the the well, the anti-blackness is. I feel like we always get at least one or two uh, bits of anti-blackness from the quarter, Florida uh, courthouse. Which I mean, hey, that's usual suspects are to blame for all of that too, and uh, how we talk to and treat each other. I think we've had a number of times where that has been invoked, where somebody, some white person, uh, will order or recommend that a black person talk to this other black person to resolve this problem where it was see see it's it's like almost weekly we get at least one weekly some incident of anti anti blackness sometimes directed at our caller himself but somebody's some anti blackness somewhere and then frequently hey we've got an unruly black person or this black person was mistreated or something happened to a black person hey why don't you go talk to this black person and they'll straighten it up. It'll be like the black janitor or the black like junior assistant to the office secretary or something. It'll never be like, oh, this is the judge, uh, circuit judge, uh, you know, who happens to be a Negro at the court. Yes, go talk to him and he will it never. I've never heard that one. It's always some black person who is like under a white person who could easily resolve this matter. Well, boom, we could have this problem squashed in like 30 seconds, but that's, they don't want to do that. We'll just get one anti-blackness would just get this one black person to talk to this other black person and then you all can fight and cut each other and curse and we'll text we'll get the click and we'll text and text and text and, text and giggle about it all day long uh let's see we basically did our full three hours did we miss uh anybody anyone completely soon we are good uh we will be here tomorrow for a neutral word uh, we'll be here tomorrow for the compensatory call-in 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific we'll review what has gone the last uh, what's gone down the last seven days man we had so many folks like talking about health issues like that is like wow i mean the stress i expect i mean it's been a stressful 15 months or so but i mean wow that stress leading to like direct showing up in the body in different ways and particularly with a lot of people reporting <clears throat> being very tired not getting enough rest uh having you know odd work schedules and workplace stress where they're not able to get adequate rest like man really value and invest in getting quality rest if it means having to go to bed a little bit earlier uh maybe sleeping a little bit later if you can 
doing a little bit less uh, in the evenings means turning the television off a little bit earlier, but plan, do the things that you can and need to do to get better rest. I think we heard from uh, our Bay Area mom talking about that. Hey, I'm not interested in picking up every 15 minutes of overtime and extra shift like no I need to make sure that I'm in a spot I have offspring that I have to make sure that I take care of and that I'm taking care of myself for so that I can be around for them and even for myself like no I can't do that I'm going to take care of myself set those boundaries get quality rest invest in yourself and eating well like self-care is so critically important so many folks healing and and dealing with different injuries and what have you like man that is uh that part of that at least in my opinion is the stress of the last 15 months like showing up in our bodies in different ways man health vitality needed to replace white supremacy with justice uh we will be here in about 24 hours i will uh be looking out for that email i read or looking back through my archive sorry make sure i find that email that i missed um hope it was worthy uh, of folks Friday evening uh, checking in again we'll be here in about 24 hours uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy the FDA is looking to ban menthol cigarettes I was stunned Like <laughs> we talked about that on the cow specifically uh, Dr. Valerie Yerger uh, back 2000 I believe 2016 she was a guest on the cows we talked about menthol talked about melanin and nicotine talked about how they deliberately market cigarettes to black people they even talked about that on the PBS segment today racism and so racism and health right there again get black people all stressed and ooh they got me on my job and did all this and that and then let me get it let me get old puff let me get a smoke real quick and all of that just leads to even more uh health problems but they are seriously talking about banning menthol cigarettes in fact they call that was how the cows started i found out they specifically call newport menthol cigarettes gorilla mints that was about literally weeks before the cows came into existence 2007 i was sitting outside university of washington about two miles south of where i'm sitting right now university of washington campus we were sitting outside about this time of year 2007 I didn't smoke, but I was with a non-white, non-black male who did smoke. And he says, you know what, Gus, you're always talking about that racism thing. Did you know how deep it is? Even the cigarettes. They call Newport menthols gorilla mints. Because you know who smokes those. Compensatory call in, that's tomorrow. But anyway, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. In addition to being sober, I would say hunker down like the fella's name, I'll say it one more time, uh, is James Thomas Rowe. Threatened to shoot this nigger female, called her a bee and all the rest of it, said he had an AK-47, he'd blow her head off. That's about what I would expect. That's what I've heard over and over and over for about 15 months now that's what you should be thinking like I might bump into James Thomas Rowe when I go out or Jamie Thomas Rowe when I go out no confrontations verbal confrontations with strangers he may indeed have an AK-47 in his vehicle 
or another firearm and or a whole cadre of his homies with him who are also armed and ready to commit violence even lethal if you didn't leave your resident and she left the victim with her child in the car you left with your child in the car you didn't leave with the intention of being engaged in mortal combat since that's the case exit nothing to discuss no verbal discourse at all if you have to go out you're sober you're very alert you are buckled if you're driving you're not on the cell phone we are doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers badge or no and we need all of our attention so we can be very aware of what is happening around us on the lookout James Thomas Rowe may be in the area that said creator we ask help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person no name calling I said that we get about one good dose maybe two sometimes it seems like from the caller at the courthouse in Florida we get about one good dose of anti-blackness per week a lot of that would be cut down if just no name calling I'm not going to talk to this person to talk crazy and gossip I'm not going to call them any wacky names no name calling minimizing conflict with conflict with other black people non-white people that should be tops in terms of priorities for those who are a little bit less confused about racism white supremacy cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother problem. You're a victim I'm Shut a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning Shut up. The man has programmed my condition. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>